last week's egregious tandem assault on me that left me with a broken tibia? It wasn't an accident. It was, in fact, a conspiracy. A conspiracy that goes far and beyond. Probably in the making for months, maybe even since AEW started. Chris Stylander. You being an alien is a crock of shit. Conspirator. Sheeta. Broke my nose. Fraudulent champion. Cheater carries a weapon. Conspirator. Flip it. Nyla Rose. I've seen Nyla come off the top rope hundreds, maybe even thousands of times with precision and grace. So you mean to tell me she couldn't have guided herself away from my fragile leg? I think not. Conspirator. Dr. Britt Baker is levying some very serious allegations here. And being somewhat uh, rude. Petulant. Petulant is a great word. Here we have a web of evils. You all have been put on notice because I will be back at All Out. The paranoia of Dr. Britt Baker on full display here. gentlemen hello and welcome to another edition of just what the internet needed more of that's right it's a wrestling podcast it's another wrestling podcast it is called top marks it's the only wrestling podcast <laughs> called top marks that's right my name is justin morissette and with me once again as always is he's thinking of the problems of the people it's the wrestling brain genius oh. himself josh custodio you, you, you nearly you nearly exploded on that intro i feel like i feel like i could feel your energy we don't do this over video this no we don't we don't look at each other anymore uh, i can't stand to well yeah ever <laughs> since uh ever since quarantine and my long hair you can't bear the sight of me anymore it looks like you're wearing a a wig i just it's too weird man <laughs> yeah who, who could ever think that looking at my hair right? you'd have to be real that'd be a real monster to yeah. accuse your close friend a of real, wearing a wig a real jamoke to think your buddy's showing up to hang out wearing a big <laughs> shaggy wig this is a, have i ever said this on the show where i was ryan shap the third the third mark as some people call him showed up to my house one time and i just hadn't done my hair which i guess he had never seen before and he's like what's with the wig man and i thought he was joking but he was deathly serious had no idea i had curly hair i know i just called him a jamoke but can i be serious with you josh you 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 he's worse you think no no no. when oh. i saw your hair i was i it was i definitely i didn't even recognize you honestly <laughs> to start <laughs> well well i, I think I, I think we met at the pub though i wasn't at your house when i saw your hair that way the first time and you right, walked up yeah. to the group and i was just like who's this guy who is this guy <laughs> with uh, i like the idea that if i bought uh, a wig which is probably not something i do but you know if i bought a wig it would also be gray like my premature graying would stay in my ideal hair situation it's like i need new hair i need, I need curly hair but i need consistency there <laughs> that's needs right to yeah be a straight line between these two things yeah please put that black wig away i'm not looking to look unnatural here <laughs> <laughs> what? 
Oh, Madman, what a week in the world of professional wrestling, the one true sport. Never a lack of things to talk about, uh, and this week, no exception to that. But uh, before we get into that, did you have a good week? Are you are you back into the swing of things doing this weekly? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, uh, I really enjoy doing this again. It's obviously less than ideal that we can't be in the same room and kind of read the visual cues and have even more uh, electric comic chemistry that the folks have come to expect from such a premier wrestling podcast such as this <laughs> i was just gonna say that uh but you know like it, i do i have a ton of fun doing this and you know like i've obviously still been doing a wrestling show the whole time we were on hiatus uh but even doing two in one week which you know i mean when i first got the radio show you were like well that's the end of top marks you're never gonna want to do two shows in a week and run out of things to talk about. I tell you what, bud, I can never fit everything in to a 46-minute or 50-minute radio show or however long it is. So The business rolls on. I, I do love having this uh, additional uh, playground to kind of stomp around in and expand my thoughts and get to topics I don't have time for on the radio and maybe even share takes that are too spicy for too the radio. Spicy. And also, yes. it's just a completely different vibe. Like, I have to be very professional on the air, I feel like, and you and I just get to shoot the shit like uh, hashtag good friends and, and it's, right. a, it's a blast. So yeah, man, I, I'm really loving doing this again. As am I, but I must say there is an adjustment. I'm like, oh yeah, by Thursday I have to have watched it all. Like that's back on the table yes. for me where it's like, oh yeah, okay, like this morning it's like, oh yeah, I gotta watch Riddle and Thatcher before before we record. That's, uh, which luckily, Maybe not the place to start the show, but do you want to talk about that match, JMO? I didn't see anything else from NXT this week. Yeah, neither did I as of yet, but that's only because we're recording in the early afternoon here on Thursday. But NXT right. actually did catch my attention enough to want to watch the full show. Which, Me too. Honestly, I don't think I've done uh, outside of the the uh, TakeOver week, the one that they did it right after WrestleMania with... One final beat, which sucked. Um, <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> like uh, other than that show, I think the last time that I actually tuned in to watch a full episode of NXT was when uh, Rhea took the belt off Shayna. Man, like it's just I find it so hard to make time for that show, especially when I'm not kind of uh, fully invested in some of the top programs that feel like they've been going on forever at this point. Obviously, for there's sure. still a ton of great things about NXT, but. Uh, it's it can be a little exhausting as well, which is why I'm super glad to hear that our boy Matt Riddle will be leaving the confines of that particular establishment. Yeah, do, do we know that for sure, or is that just a rumor because he lost? Uh, that was already rumored before uh, the match okay. took place. I think as 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 early as Monday, because SmackDown actually taped on Monday this week. We're back to uh, yeah. taping things and having them air after the fact. Raw taped in the morning and then aired taped that day, and SmackDown taped while Raw was actually on the air and uh, pretty much everybody as far as you know wrestling insiders as it were uh, was talking about the fact that uh, Matt Riddle was at, was at Smackdown and he will be a part of that taping and and um, man I'm I'm very excited for him but I'm very excited for Smackdown too because uh, dude I know that we often don't talk about Smackdown at all uh, just because of the way our week works like we record on Thursdays yeah. and get the show out on Friday and then at that point, SmackDown is a week old. But I felt like the blue brand did the thing that it never does last week, which is actually just be a wrestling show from front to back. Like, 
you know, uh, the big complaint at the Vancouver SmackDown was it was so storyline driven. There was almost no wrestling on that show at all. This past week, we got four matches. That was the entire show. One talking segment. It was all entertaining. They were four strong TV matches. And if that's what you want to do on a more consistent basis, oh, boy, Matt Riddle's going to help with that in a big way. Yeah, I uh, so I did not watch SmackDown last week, and it has not really been part of my viewing habits for the last oh, little while. Peter Rosenberg over here. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But <laughs> I, I must say, uh, if Matt Riddle is there and placed in a, a position of importance, that's enough. I'm I'm back to watching it. Like I'm I'm invested enough in in Matt Riddle, and I want to talk about him and Thatcher. But let's talk about him going to SmackDown. Uh, is he destined to be in the top area of SmackDown? Is he? Does he feel? Like a no-brainer to be in their title scene. I don't know, man. I feel like he probably would be a better fit with the Raw scene right now overall. Just because I think part of the excitement of having a champion in a Drew McIntyre who is currently establishing himself is that he gets to raise a lot of guys up with him at the same time, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm into Bobby Lashley right now in a way that I never have been, at least not in this WWE run. You and I both saw something in him in his last days with Impact before he came back here. But, like, this run until the last couple weeks has largely been a disaster. When it was good, that was because of Rusev and Lana largely. Uh, You know, Lashley was terrible during the whole... (laughs) Jerry Springer promo oh, uh, segment of that thing. Oh, you don't can't. even. Come on. What about Don't even on. joke that, about it. Don't <laughs> guys, even. You guys st- an actor. You stop. He's, uh, he's following Batista right after this. I, I mean. He goes, Rock, Cena, Batista, Lashley. I mean, it doesn't help you emote when you just don't even have eyebrows, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, no eyebrows. Well, I mean, but for, for every eyebrow with sister, you think that would, <laughs> would overcome it. But but no such luck in uh, in Bob Lashley's case. But, like, but that, that's a true thing, though, right? Like when yeah, for sure. when McIntyre at the end of Raw last week was shouting at Lashley on the ramp saying, "Bring it, Bobby Lashley! I want to see what you've always been waiting for," or whatever the fuck he said. Yeah, it was something like that. Sure. Like I got fired up for Lashley. Yeah. Drew is yeah. so good that he made me buy into the heel opposite him. So I do think there kind of is. Uh, an excitement on both sides of the ledger in a transitional period like that because, you know, we're, we're going to see a, a – we're seeing it all over Raw. Raw feels like a show that is evolving on a weekly basis to have new characters in prominent roles, and that's kind of why it's been so good lately too. Meanwhile, SmackDown feels like just a total static show, so maybe that is the right landing spot for Matt Riddle because he can bring some of that – I guess NXT energy into SmackDown, whereas NXT feels like the last bastion of old school Vince McMahon Raw booking right now. You know what though? As you say that, who who is the the match for Riddle over on SmackDown besides Daniel Bryan? Like, is there anything that jumps off the page? The ones the ones that I do want are mostly on Raw I, now. That I, I mean, AJ it. Styles is on SmackDown now, and that's yeah. going to be a big one for me. I think. Sure. I mean, yeah, that's no, probably going to be AJ's best matchup in quite a while. Honestly, like. As, as yeah, I, I hope Riddle can get it done in the in the big singles matches. You know, WWE is just so different for that. You know, it's like I've seen him do it, but I've seen him do it in the twenty to forty minute format. It's like, does, does can Matt Riddle do these twelve minute TV bangers? I it's a bit remains to be seen. He's he's not always gold in NXT in ring for me. Yeah, but I love him. Yeah, um, I guess that's kind of all I have to say about him going to SmackDown. Anything more for for you on that one? 
Well, I'd like to talk about the match between him and Thatcher. Oh, for sure. This uh, this uh, pit fight, I think they called it, a little bit reminiscent of uh, what they call the Shamrock one, the Lions. The Lions Den. Den. Yeah, a little bit like that, or also a little bit like a scaffold match, sort of a combination between the two. What did you think of this thing, Matt? I mean, if you're going to have a scaffold match, you kind of need to bring in New Jack, don't you? Like That well, seems like a massive <laughs> oversight on WWE's part. I guess New Jack <laughs> yeah, wasn't available to be the guest referee. Kurt Angle had to be brought in in a pinch. Kind of yeah, like, you're right, J-Mo. I think New Jack's a good guy to bring in to enforce the rules. I think so, he too. Seems, he's he really going to lay down the law. Yeah, he's, he's married to the idea of the sanctity between the rules. Oh, absolutely, and he's very aggressive in enforcing what he believes to be the rules. So I think yeah. that would make him a perfect referee, honestly. Yeah, you are thinking Art Anderson was the enforcer. Just you wait. <laughs> but kind, uh, of, kind I, of a weird spot for Angle, though, right? Like, I, yeah. I, I, it was nice to see him. And it, just like Drake Maverick, like, it's good to see these guys still getting some kicks at the can or getting some use, even if they're just being paid on a per-date basis right now. Uh, mm-hmm. But a very limited role like if he wasn't there to be the referee i don't think we would have noticed at all no no he he felt very unimportant in this it made me wonder if it was like literally just a filming thing like he happened to be around and they were like oh this would be fun or or something like that because there wasn't a story going in or out of it besides him adding some sort of like shoot legitimacy because the olympic background Mm -hmm. i I doubt i'm the anywhere near the only person or even in the only four billion to have this thought but boy it would have been cool to get ken shamrock in that role hey yeah i mean it's really too bad the timing of his impact deal because he seems perfect for that and and it would be great to see him on WWE TV again. Look, I know he's a shit. I know he's been, uh, you know, charged with, I think, domestic battery or something. He got in a huge fight at a mall a couple years back oh, or whatever. Really? Yeah. Like, I know. I think uh, we've talked about it. I think we've canceled Ken Shamrock on these very no. airwaves before, Josh. I would have never canceled Ken Shamrock. I love Ken I Shamrock, though. Or I love the Ken Shamrock that I remember from the Attitude Era. I won't say that he's a great person or anything. But like, no, it, he's he's like a on the MMA side. He's like a sick carny guy. Like he's famous for like taking people's money and then throwing the fight or not showing up. He is like multiple. Go go look up Rich Franklin versus Ken Shamrock. If any of you are bored for the UFC middleweight title, tell me if that looks real to you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but like I would pop huge to see him again. Absolutely, I would. Oh yeah, even just the theme. Hey, surely AEW could have a manage something. Yeah, oh, right? absolutely. I mean, gotta, yeah. There's got to be. Well, at this point, Ken everybody Shamrock to... managing Jeff Cobb. Let's go. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> should we talk a little bit about that? With uh, or You know what, man, man? Maybe we should jump right into the well, double well, for, or nothing Before review. we get there, like this yeah. is a very important match for Timothy Thatcher, obviously. And, oh, yeah. yeah. We've got to talk about the fans. And you and I were talking about... Uh, in the lead up, I think it was brought up in maybe even the Top Marks Patreon chat, but um, just, you know, Riddle being a guy who's so important and so good that you could see him win on his way out the door, that it wouldn't be out of the question for him not to go out on his back, uh, assuming that these guys were going to have a great match anyways, and Thatcher would come out looking like a million bucks whether he won or lost. Yeah, I said I would have preferred that if Riddle would have would have won here, going into that. Oh yeah, just carry some momentum onto the main roster, right? Especially now that NXT is on USA, I think it makes a lot more sense to assume that people are watching NXT 
see when somebody comes up to the, the main roster product, even if the, the ratings don't necessarily bear that out. Like, it's not like it's hidden away on a subscription service that you have to pay to subscribe to to find, you know? Like... For sure. I, there, it, you should be able to uh, lend some transitive properties for how a guy is received in NXT and how he will be presented on the main roster at this point. Without question. And we're also just in such a different era of wrestling where I don't know that like the one win over the big guy does all that much for you. Sustained wins and losses matter a lot in sort of on-hole presentation of importance. But it's not like Timothy Thatcher beating Matt Riddle last night and it has it so happens choking out the shoot fighter which i do think matters a little bit but i don't feel like that's like this giant push or at least not this gulf that if matt riddle would have beat him on the way out he couldn't insurmount just by coming out so you know matt pushed me to my absolute limit but i'm still here and being presented still as a piece of importance in nxt well know? i got two questions for you because sure. uh the first is when you when we got to the finish of riddle thatcher did you uh, feel at all like it was too repetitive of what we'd just seen in Mox Brody Lee? Oh, interesting. And similarly to that, did you feel that the end of Dynamite last night was too similar to the end of Raw on Monday? You know, that's interesting because now that you say them, I completely understand how somebody would see both those things, you know, both with big, big brawls and both uh, ending in, in uh, rear naked chokes with the person going out. Yeah. Um, you know, no, would you believe it actually didn't really cross my mind for Riddle and Thatcher? Like, I, I, I obviously put together, it's like, oh, yeah, we're, we're two guys not tapping, uh, I thought was interesting. But no, I didn't think, listen, man, I, I'm happy to, to get away from everybody having to go down to the finisher all the time, you know? I, I like that AEW is letting people finish, you know, on, on the, per, um, oh, on the outside. I fully, so, I fully understand why that both matches had that finish it's because one guy has to lose and you don't want to take any shine away from either of them right but yeah or nuke the finish yeah and to do that uh just twice in one week kind of jumped out at me but also you know two pull apart brawls this week really jumped out at me too so that's funny yeah i i didn't really uh i didn't really put that together but yeah uh they definitely did did do but that. at the same time uh, you know, when we talk about a guy like Austin Theory being the right guy at the right time, at you know, right place, all that stuff, to capitalize on this COVID quarantine thing, like to get hot-shotted pretty well yeah. right from Evolve into uh, <laughs> a big faction with Seth Rollins on Monday Night Raw, like pretty fucking good for him, I would imagine. Timothy Thatcher is also a guy that you have to be like, wow, the timing of that. Because I feel like he went straight from his NXT signing class immediately uh, as a, into a, this like fill-in tag thing with, uh, with Riddle. And, and he comes out not only uh, established as a a great wrestler out of this feud, which didn't even last very long, but he's got real heel heat here too. Like what a, what a way to launch this guy. And it's making the best of a bad situation, obviously, because uh, I, I would imagine they had real plans that they wanted to run with Pete Dunn. And that just wasn't possible, unfortunately. Yeah. What do you think of Timothy? Thatcher? I think he's great, man. I, I uh, have not seen as much of his indie stuff as I should, but like when I talked to Daniel McAbey, that guy absolutely loves Timothy Thatcher. He thinks the stuff that they did together is the best stuff that he's ever done with anyone. So, and That's I would cool. imagine that a ton of indie wrestlers feel that way as well. So uh, I, I'd heard a ton of great stuff about him. I've seen a handful of matches from his indie run. And the guy, yeah, he seems like a hell of a talent. I'm, he is somebody, like, this is my problem with NXT. It's so fucking stale, man. The people who have been there at the top of 
have been at the top for uh, like two years at this point, if not longer. So, yeah, if you want to elevate a guy like Timothy Thatcher to uh, main event status in NXT and throw some fresh blood in there, I'm all about that. I, I, that could get me interested and excited to watch NXT again. Yeah, uh, I don't quite see it in him yet. I really liked the match on Wednesday, and I was a little bit surprised because in our in our other chat, some people were saying that they they didn't like it, and I, I found that I, I I thought the match Riddle and Thatcher was actually quite good. I I enjoyed it, but maybe I'm a little uh, oh I liked it too. Yeah, yeah, you know, inclined to like. But that sort you of also thing, you also have a built-in program here for Thatcher versus Dunn whenever Dunn is able to work oh. again. I think that's got to be the the obvious. And that's going to be right? amazing. That'll be a fun. Oh, brawl. absolutely. Yeah, no. Absolutely. Uh, Madman, should we transition over to a little double or nothing? Oh, yeah. Now? Why not? Let's do it, bud. All righty. Well, on Saturday night, JMO, which feels like an eternity ago in the world of wrestling, as it always does, AEW put on one of those pay-per-view shows. AEW presents Double or Nothing. Uh, JMO, uh, did you have a fun night watching uh, I watched it on Sunday morning, actually. Oh, okay. I, I almost, like, uh, like, no doubt. I almost ordered this show. I like. I, I very came very, very close to ordering this pay-per-view. I had a plan uh, for a couple of people to come over, including the third Mike, uh, the Shap Daddy, Ryan Shap. Uh, but one person fell through, and then the whole thing felt crumbled like a house of cards, bud. Uh, but we were going we to do that, the classic thing that I used to do in, like, grade 8 or grade 9, which is, you know, get some friends over. Everybody chips in $10. There you go. And Yeah, get some pizza in the paper. I don't, I don't know that, uh, you know, we've seen what the buy numbers have been yet. I don't know that that's come out as of. Uh, I saw a ninety thousand dollar figure, but it didn't, or ninety thousand buy figure, but I don't know the legitimacy of that. Uh, yeah, I mean that sounds great, honestly. Like that's just shy of probably you know five million dollars or something like that. Like I think anywhere in that hundred thousand buy vicinity is great for them oh, i think that they probably count that as an absolute success yeah there's a lot of things on earth that can't pull that it puts them in pretty rare air to be able to pull 90 i guess some things can hit but 90 is close to the 100 and 100 is sort of the like oh can you do this line for paper especially relative to what everything else is doing right now you know and and the, the way sure. people are being a little tight with their their budgets perhaps uh you know the people down south certainly who don't have those trudeau bucks rolling in if you know what i'm saying pal yeah, you know well, listen, neither do I. I'm, I'm like the people down south. <laughs> it's me and them. Uh, I did not purchase this pay-per-view, but I did watch it live. You can put two and two together oh, on that scoundrel. one. Let's, uh, you dirty dog. Yeah, I, wa I watched it through my neighbor's window. They had purchased Is it. Is this WrestleMania uh, <laughs> 36 because I sense a pirate theme? Oi, it's me, Jack Sparrow. I'll tell you how to order a double or nothing. <laughs> I really don't <laughs> need to see uh, Johnny Depp hawking AEW. That's something I don't need. I mean, yes. Let's be real. That would be very bad for the brand. Well, they'd have a managing someone in no time. <laughs> <Jimmy>. <laughs> Jungle Boy becomes Pirate Boy. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Havoc breaks away from Kip and Penelope <laughs> to be managed individually by Johnny Depp. Who has more influence on whose style when Johnny Depp and Jimmy Havoc hang oh, out? Who, oh. who is dressing more like who? I mean, the Johnny, the, well, it goes both ways, right? Because They both are an eyeliner all Yeah, but, but also like... I do feel like Johnny would try to pick up like the full leather bodysuit 
vibe. <laughs> you could see but, that happening. But Jimmy, though, Jimmy's going to be covered in bracelets. There will be no, How many scarves? There will be no How many scarves? visible flesh on his forearms <laughs> because it will just be pure bracelets top to bottom and at least, like, seven scarves probably. So, like, it, the greater influence if you're going to run, like, uh, uh, total yardage, I guess, on someone's body, the, the leather <laughs> yeah. bodysuit is a bigger influence, I guess. Right. But, I mean, the, the bracelets and scarves, that's way more individual pieces. And I feel like For much, sure. a much bigger stylistic. <laughs> impact as well so i'm gonna give this one to johnny Depp. <laughs> yeah depp's gotta buy two pieces the leather shirt and the leather pants whereas havoc's gonna empty the bank account buying scarves and bracelets Absolutely. it's gonna it's gonna cost a and great we're gonna deal. We're, let's jump. hang on before we go anywhere josh let's uh let's keep this going like an episode of dynamite ariel helwani who do you think would impact the style more <laughs> You know, I've been thinking on the MMA side. <laughs> oh my god, a MMA and pro wrestling are bleeding together at a at a pace I can hardly keep oh, up yeah. with these days. My goodness gracious, JMO, can we talk about uh, the best friends versus private party show on the pre-show? I did, I did not that? see the pre-show, but I mean, this seemed like the gimme result all along. Though I will say, our friend Nick East, very funny man. You should follow him on Instagram uh, at Nick Dang East. I'm pretty sure is uh, the handle I over think there. That's right. Uh, regardless. He was telling me that based on the being the elite story that has gone on between Hangman and Private Party, he was very much of the belief that Private Party was going to win this. I guess that demonstrates that anything that happens on being the elite doesn't really <laughs> count for anything because, to me, Private Party was an extremely random team to throw into this match. I never once believed they had any chance of winning it. I didn't even yeah, watch I'm the match, you. and I feel like I missed nothing. Yeah, I, I don't watch being the elite, though. Do you ever? I did a lot around All In, but, I mean, that's years ago now. Yeah, you, you, you've you been anything but the elite. Oh, I've been, I've been okay, all Jamie, out ever since. <laughs> that's absolutely right. You have been. Well, it's double or nothing down on that as Brian Cage takes down the casino ladder match, getting the chip that allows him to cash in for a chance at the AEW World Championship match to do it. He had to beat Darby Allen, Colt Cabana, Orange Cassidy, Joey Janela, Scorpio Sky, Kip Sabian, Frankie Kazarian, and had a wonderful sequence, in my opinion, with Luchasaurus on his way. Jamo, what would you think of this ladder I mean, match? I mean, I'm, I'm going to say right now, Brian Cage is not the only one who grabbed the chip for a title opportunity. So did I, oh. bud. In, what do you in mean? In Top Marks Wrestling, in our, in oh. our fantasy oh. pickums, I'm coming for your, yes, your tag team gold because yeah. I correctly predicted that Brian Cage would be the mystery man and that he would win. That answer is the reason why Emerson and I are going for the tag crown at the next AEW pay-per-view, which no one even knows when it's going to be. They keep saying Fighter Fest but don't have a date for it. Uh, which yeah. I understand, like it's it's like the a it's like the TNT title, right? You can't I can't begrudge anything. I fully understand what's happening right now because they probably would like to be able to do that with fans on some level. It's sort of like WWE refuses to pull the plug on their booking for TD Garden in Boston for SummerSlam, even though the city of Boston is telling them it's not going to happen. They're still holding out, like uh, I don't know, it might happen. <laughs> 
Any minute now. So, like, you know, I understand that. But, uh, yeah, uh, no, I, I was not surprised to see Brian Cage because I did predict But it were you excited? Big time. And especially because uh, he's with Taz. And I think Taz has been an underutilized part of the broadcast overall. Uh, you know, if you're going to sign this guy to a deal so lucrative that he would leave his position as one of the uh, hosts of – CBC Sports National Morning Radio. You know, Taz and the Moose was, I thought, a pretty popular program. I listened to it every so often when I was up at that hour and, you know, hearing See, Taz's See, I thought that was voice. a TNA tag team. Taz and the Moose. <laughs> yeah, that's my bad. That was a radio show? Yeah, that was what Taz was doing before he uh, came back to wrestling and with AEW. He was a full-time radio broadcaster on the national level for CBC or CBS Sports. Yeah, I, I joke about all the old guy managers in AEW, and I do genuinely think it's becoming an issue. Like, I did chuckle when, when Taz came up to some degree. But Taz and Brian Cage is probably the pairing I like most of any of them, if I'm being honest. And that's even after Wednesday, where I didn't think Taz was phenomenal or anything. I think Jake the Snake has probably had better standout performances oh, along the sure, way. For sure, for uh, sure. But I, I think Taz and Cage, the look is important for a manager and and their agent or a tag team. And I think Taz still has this, like, threatening physicality that he's maintained partially by thinking to his core that he is the toughest guy on earth probably to this minute but also him and brian cage just have like a confident ass kicker thing going for them that i think absolutely rocks i think brian cage's ceiling here in aw is is really really high oh yeah and i mean look at what they've done with their last three big debuts They've completely solved their problem of everybody saying, well, it's a fun show and it's, you know, eh, flippy shit, whatever. I'm here for the big boys. There's no hosses here. Uh, well, they're 305 Live now. Yeah, exactly. You you just debuted three monsters in a row, though. I made this joke on, on Saturday. How fucking pissed do you think Wardlow is that Brian Cage is in <laughs> AEW now? Just watching it. Even their sequence in the Battle Royal the other day, I was like, yeah, okay, so Wardlow is the big guy who's big to the small guys fighting MJF, but is not the big guy compared to Luchasaurus and Brian Cage. Got it. Yeah, but like even like there's there's just no road for advancement into any sort of important program if you're Wardlow staring up at, at Brian Cage now. But uh, no, I, I do like this pairing. And look, I, you're in a situation with the broadcast booth with AEW, and this is a very interesting thing, and I think part of why maybe that broadcast team took some heat right out of the gate, but I think has settled into a very nice groove at this point. Those are three play-by-play men. You don't have a single analyst among that group. It's three play-by-play guys trying to all find their spots at once. If you don't have room for a guy like Taz at that table, you do need to find something more for him to do because as much as I enjoyed those telestrator sequences where he was showing why wrestling moves are effective – he can still do that in a managerial role. He was trying to do that for Darby Allen over the course of the last several weeks before he found his clients in Brian Cage. I guess the danger is that there is a kind of similar maybe dynamic to Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar, but uh, I don't care. You know, fucking Taz well, is awesome, I, man. <laughs> I'd actually reject that comparison. I saw people making that all over the place, and I, I genuinely straight up did not understand it. Like, Paul Heyman is not a physical threat at all. Like, Taz is. Yeah. Like, I, I don't understand the pairing besides it's, like, a shorter guy and a taller guy. Like, 
Paul Heyman is not this additional physical threat. Like, amongst all of the old guy managers, like, Daz could stack them on top of one each other, put them into a bowl, and turn them into stew. Like, that's that's an important differentiator, I feel like. Of course, and uh, my only concern really is... Uh, as much as it was a big moment for his debut because it not only told you he was here, but it kind of got the gimmick across immediately as well. Taz on the front end of Cage's music being like, who can stop the path of Cage? Yes. Uh, I'm going to get sick of that real quick, I think. Yeah, that I thought and instantly that sounded bad. And I think it was obvious enough that they will pull it I out. I mean, even the way on. I just did it, it sounds like video game talk, you know? like Yeah, it, it wasn't good. <laughs> Um, let's talk a little bit about the ladder match itself, JMO. I, I thought it was a little bit all over the place near the end, but I thought it was actually in the middle pretty a pretty fun time. Yeah, I I largely enjoyed that match. It was a a, a fun kind of high energy way to start the show, and I think AEW largely has done a very good job of that. Whether it's Dynamite or uh, pay per views, like they they understand the importance to start strong and end strong. I mean, look no further than just this week's Dynamite even, you know? Um, yeah, no, no kidding. Uh, so, I, you know, I thought this was a hot opener. Very much overbooked. Very much, I think, missed Ray Phoenix. Um, yes. But uh, ultimately... Uh, <laughs> Was the highlight for you the the Cage Luchasaurus striking exchange oh, in the middle of it? Oh, that is a feud that I very much want to see. But I guess I, I I'm going to say this. I think you see that for their top title eventually. I, I think it is a. I know that you do have to go with the star power for a while, and who loves big fucking mocks more than me? There's no doubt about it. But like when you talk about, we got that question last week about like the first guys who are going to hold this who don't have the WWE rub, like. God, I, I'm just into Luchasaurus. I thought on the, the TV and on the pay-per-view, he just really came across well to me, and Brian Cage, a great partner for him here. I, I just think it's crazy that it required an injury for Joey Janela to get into this match. Like, no You know, we talked man. last week about WWE maybe not knowing what they were letting go in Drew Gulak, who, uh, coincidentally, as we talk about people who are uh, back on SmackDown, Drew Gulak apparently signed a new deal and will be on the television uh, tonight or tomorrow, depending on when you listen to this. Maybe it already happened. Who knows? Yeah, it may have happened yesterday. <laughs> uh, or two days ago or even three days ago. <laughs> it may have never happened. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like we were talking about they don't know what he is. Um, I, I do think that Janela kind of fits that mold for AEW because – why would you not put him in a match like this where he should be fully in his element? You really need two guys from SCU just so you can do two teammates as the first guys in the ring? Uh, yeah, I, 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 you're preaching to the choir on this one, man. I, I don't know how on a show where you're so short with baby faces, Joey Janela is not getting more spotlight, more push. He can promo. He he is such an underrated match guy that I'm starting to feel like I'm on crazy pills oh, with I'm it. With you. Like. He, he's he, it reminds me so much of Foley where people can't get past the unathleticism to see what's actually happening. It's like, no, no, this is grounding it in reality. This is this is why we like him in hindsight. And it, it drives me crazy that the guy does nothing but put in a good match. I mean, the six man was whatever this week on t television. But if I, I made a lot, tomorrow. actually, I, I thought that was, I thought it was OK. I, I I thought it was just. I kind of right. felt like it was a throwback to earlier in the year where. Uh, yeah, just opening with a tag match. On yeah, AEW. we had like a six-man tag match every single week, and it pretty much consistently ripped every time. Because I mean, usually there would be like Cody or or rather uh, Kenny or Hangman or somebody in there, and this week it was the Bucks. And you know what? When we haven't seen the Bucks wrestle a whole heck of a lot in the last three months, 
yeah. that had some sizzle to me. There was like yeah, big intrigue in that match, even though, yeah, you're right. It's just a throwaway six man. I talked about MJF, or rather about Wardlow and sort of being a big brother in the Battle Royal on uh, on uh, Wednesday night. But boy, he was not big brothered here in this match. MJF beating Jungle Boy by submission using the salt of the earth. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, MJF does get the win, though. Taking out Jungle Boy. J-Mo, I, I thought this was... Uh a corker. I, this was better than I was expecting and played better in an empty arena than I was expecting. Yeah, uh, I didn't think that MJF had that level of actual technical ability in him. To me, sure. he's always been kind of, not to the extent that like The Miz was bad when he was starting out, but certainly like if he was a creative character in, let's say, like an Elder Scrolls RPG, charisma is the stat that's cranked totally. to the max. And maybe right. like... You know, actual fighting skill is a bit uh, lower as a result. But no, I, I was very impressed by this. I think our, our very intelligent friend, uh, the Zoobs, put it very well when he said it had the vibe of uh, what Sammy and Darby was back at Revolution. Two guys who were just, like, insistent on proving themselves, knowing that this is the biggest opportunity that they've probably had uh, to totally. work a match like this. No offense to Cody, I guess, if you're, uh, if you're MJF. I hate to be this guy because this sounds nitpicky as I'm saying it, but something did happen on commentary during this match that I just couldn't understand, which was constantly bringing up that this was a rematch from Dynamite. I, I don't understand what that does for a pay-per-view uh, match. It's like, I, we got this on TV and MJF won, and then the same thing it, happens. To, I think it's to stress a losing streak for uh, Jungle Jack, which of course was paid off by uh, his big win in the Paddle Royal this past Wednesday, perhaps. I don't know. Let's hope yeah. so. Because while I was watching, it's like, well, I've seen this for free. Why are you? But I'm still locked in that pay-per-view brain because I'm not in full uh, but wrestling even, like, mode. But even if that was the idea, was like Jungle Boy's on a losing streak. But it isn't. Jungle, it was a year yeah, ago. And, there, well, it was a couple months ago. And com But okay, commentary. Sure. Last year. Commentary never mentioned when he won that battle royal. The losing streak is over. What, you know, right. Like, <laughs> so what are we talking so, about here? Yeah, it's, I'm making up. I'm making up connective tissue that they didn't bother to. I guess. Uh, <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about Jungle Boy in this match. I, I thought he came across super well. He's purely an in-ring talent here. The in the turnbuckle when he was looking kind of bendy. I, I thought that was all pretty cool. Uh, yeah. I mean, dude, going back to the match, I can't even remember what pay-per-view it was. It might have been Double or Nothing last year. Or it might have been all out the the match that they had for like a title shot that was between uh, Jimmy Havoc, Jungle Boy, and uh, oh yeah, whoever else. I think Darby was in that, and Joey might have been too. Uh, regardless, I thought Jungle Boy was excellent in that match. He really impressed me there, and like yeah, he's a ton of fun in the ring. Like. Every time they talk about this guy as a potential star, yes, a part of it does feel like they're just saying that to highlight the fact that his dad is Luke Perry or whatever. But, like, he also does exude star quality. Like, I can totally see it. Absolutely everything that they see in him. Yeah, I was I was impressed as hell. So uh, good job to both those fellas. J-Mo, in this next one, my most anticipated match going into the weekend was Cody taking on Lance Archer for the TNT Championship. Uh, what did you think here, J-Mo, as this was executing? Um, I mean, it, it you know, going into the week, and you and I talked last week about how all of the ingredients are here for the high-end drama that we associate with the best Cody matches. 
Uh, I don't think necessarily that this match reached those heights, but sure. I still enjoyed it a whole heck of a lot. And uh, I think Archer comes out of this thing looking incredible, even though he didn't win. Uh, you know, you do get a modicum of comeuppance uh, for Jake the Snake, who gets chased off by Mike Tyson, and, and Cody gets the nice moment with Tyson at the end as well. Uh, the belt obviously unfinished, and I feel like that overshadows the match in much the same way that the debuting Red Universal title did uh, for Seth and Finn so many SummerSlams ago now, uh, which is unfortunate, because I honestly don't even think the belt looks that bad, personally. People were just going haywire on Twitter about this thing. Those were maybe the two worst crossroads ever, though, right? Yeah, probably. Those looked just like shit on a stick to me, which isn't really his fault, but it's like, do, do a different move, man. Like, Archer is a big 40-year-old, and it's probably not a lot of fun trying to get him up and spinning, but on that first one, you had to have known. You, you must have known. Yeah, and I mean, on the Archer side, too, like, you and I talked about last week how this guy's 43, so... Uh, what are you really building him up for if there's not going to be a, a, a big run here necessarily at his age? Even if he's only in AEW for a year and a half and then he's out of the company, like there's still a big value in having him here right now and what he provides right now. Yeah, there was there was a lot being made of this pay per view. Is like, oh, you're killing off all your your monsters that you've built with with um, Nyla and uh, Brody Lee and Archer all picking up losses. I, I, I obviously that did happen. I see what people are talking about. It's and I did think this one. I would have had Archer win here. This is the one where I thought they they went the wrong way. But I, I thought Cody was really good on Wednesday. So it's like you can't have it all all the time either. But but I was expecting this match to be better. I, I thought that this was you know just a little slow and and meandering. Uh, yeah, probably. And, and it wasn't the worst match in the world. Uh, yeah, yeah, and MJF uh, Jungle Boy over-delivered, so maybe tougher act to follow. But I, I, but in the middle of this, I was like, huh, I, I was hoping this would feel bigger. I know that uh, you just slammed the finish, right? The moves that he hit at the end. But I actually yeah. thought the back end of this match was a lot of fun. Like, it, it got good when it leaned into kind of uh, outside-the-ring silliness and... I I especially liked the guys hitting the signature moves of the opposition's manager sure. to send a message to the manager at ringside. Yeah, to me, the like, spine buster and and um, the DDT and the DDT and he, the DDT looked great too. And and I love Jr. on commentary being like, and you know, <laughs> he's got the greatest DDT of all time because he puts guys away with it. Yeah, I, th I think he straight up said he pins with it, yeah, doesn't he? He did. He did. Say or that. guys don't get back. He said something. He, I thought that was awesome too. You're right. That's a great that call. A, it was a great line. Uh, like Jr. provides so much utility to the people who last year were like, get this guy out of here i just i got jr made that. me laugh harder last night on dynamite than i have in a long time when there was an hbo max ad and they were showing a bunch of a bunch of shows and jr exiting it just went sopranos <laughs> <laughs> just just one word yeah just, i also right. liked also liked excalibur chiming in with like what his favorite hbo show was and jr just immediately being like well nobody asked you excalibur <laughs> Yeah, nobody asked you, Excalibur. <laughs> you know what JR's is. Hey, JR, hey, I love the Sopranos too, JR. Oh, absolutely. That's, uh, yeah, who no. does it? Who does it? Uh, and for the belt, um, you know what's funny? I don't think it's ugly so much as it is cheap. I don't think it's bad design. When I see images of it in certain lights, I'm like, oh, th that's nice. Yeah, when you can see uh, the intricacy of the actual work, it looks great. Yeah, but, but it doesn't. The it doesn't lighting, come across on TV. Yeah, the lighting especially just didn't make it pop at all in a lot of the key shots, which is unfortunate. Somebody on Twitter turned the black TNT logo just to like a more polished chrome. 
in the middle so it was silver but then just like a more pronounced brighter silver for the logo and and who knows what the imaging but it, it did look more prestigious to me that way for for whatever that's worth no I, I i have time for that and i also wish that like dude even if you did like engraved flames in the centerpiece behind the tnt logo just anything to make it a little less yeah. plain in the middle but I don't, but I don't you're know. never going to hear me bellyaching about it to the degree that I did with the Universal title. It, it's different for the top title. It just is. Like, I, I'm not going to get us on fire for their mid-card title for what it looks like. What great mid-card titles can you think of throughout history? There's some. The the modern IC title, uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, I like the white leather IC. Yeah, I guess not the modern anymore, actually. That's funny. But yeah, the, the white IC... Um, uh, New Japan's uh, U.S. title, I think, is a great-looking one. Uh, th- there's some, but on whole throughout history. So, but but for the top belt, I think I'm going to make a stink about it. That's sort of where I draw the line. JMO, Chris Statlander took out Penelope Ford. This match, it says here, this match was five minutes thirty seconds. I thought it was longer. I, I didn't think this was great. I also thought it was longer based on uh, how it felt. Honestly, uh, I will also <laughs> add the the WCW United States Championship. Yep. Yeah, where the flag's, like, really pronounced. Uh, yeah, it's the only thing that's color, and it's, like, above the eagle. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. So, so, so there's some, but I, I I don't know. Like, how out of bed am I going to really get for the TNT, what's effectively their, T, their TV championship? Yeah, exactly. Who, who really cares, honestly? It's like, I'd, I'd like it if it looked nicer, Like, and it's kind of hard to figure out a reason why you wouldn't want the nicest-looking thing possible, but if you can get past that, it's like, okay, I don't really, really care about this. Yeah, uh, as far as Statlander versus Penelope Ford, uh, Penelope obviously subbing in for the injured Britt Baker, whose injury is not as bad as we thought. She said oh, uh, on Wednesday that she'll be back at All Out, which kind of puts like a two-month timeline on it. Um or, oh, or was she two, rumored two for longer than that? Dude, before? she was rumored for nine months. This was supposed to end oh. her 2020 because the initial reports were that she'd blown out her ACL altogether. And obviously, that news came down about an hour after you and I finished recording last week. So, right, I had, right. had, had that little tag on at the beginning of the episode last week. But um, uh, I'm very happy that Britt is not going to be out for as long as we thought. But also, this should have been a big opportunity for Penelope, especially, to prove herself in the absence and, and try and step in and fill the vacuum that an injury to someone like Britt creates. Uh, I didn't like this match. I didn't think it was the match that either of these ladies needed at at this exact moment. At the same time, what are they really supposed to do with five minutes and 30 seconds? I just thought it was a little sloppy, more on Penelope's part probably than Statlander's. I got a lot of pushback actually from uh, some of our friends and and some of our listeners as well when I uh, said that this was not a good match. A lot of people sticking up for the Chris Statlander side of it anyways. Um, which hey, tell those people to shut up. What the hell were they watching? <laughs> I mean, I didn't think she. What? I didn't think she was the bad part of it, but I didn't think she shined in the way that she needed to. You know. Uh, no, either. listen. The great wrestlers make the medium wrestlers look good. That's the whole thing. And also, Penelope Ford should not be a medium wrestler. Like. I have been impressed with what I've seen from her so far, but I guess a lot of her stuff is like very similar to Zelina Vega doing like a That's run ex- in Hurricane Rana or whatever. Yeah, it's interesting because she she has the the back handsprings corner to corner, which I think is really cool. Yeah. She has a good Rana, uh, and I'm going to talk about this more a little bit later. But but you, you can't it can't get overexposed because you think of how fun it was at uh, at All In when she came in in the in the J- Joey Janela Adam Page match. And, and hit that and help Joey and how electric that felt. Uh, doing it in every match just is never going to be able to capture that. So got to be careful. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I thought she added so much to the all-in match between 
uh, Janella and Hangman. Like, I thought she was excellent there. That's literally what I just yeah. said. So, uh, I, I, I was in there in person, so, like, that stands yeah. out in my mind for sure. But, yeah, she you're was... right. It's, it's definitely, you can't have her doing that in every single Kip Sabian match. For sure. J-Mo, for sure. Luckily, luckily for them, I did not think this was the worst match on the card. Yes, no, it was not. That was coming up. <laughs> Honestly, a match so forgettable that I thought <laughs> but the women's matches were back to back and like tisk tisked the company and had a bunch of people be like, oh, actually the there was another match in between there. And you know what? I said that as I was watching it, which means I forgot this next match literally the minute it was over. Like it just happened and you were just like, I don't have space for this one in the back. <laughs> this, this, we're just—it's not even entering the database. Yeah, straight it's, it's to not trash. Welcome. Straight to trash. We're of course, yeah, that's right. We're of course talking about Dustin Rose taking on uh, Sean Spears. It is opened but not saved. Yeah, I. You know what? Uh, the next match is Karushita uh, <laughs> taking. No, you know, the... I didn't mind like the pr- the promo portion of this from Spears necessarily. It's just like, what the fuck That's are we doing? To say about a match. What the fuck are we doing building up Dustin Rhodes in 2020? He did not need a comeback. I'm still the man match in fucking May of 2020. <laughs> like, come on. You know me, JMO. I I just I love talking about professional wrestling. I love it. You yeah. know. And yet, as I sit here and I try to think of something to say about Dustin Rhodes and Sean Spears, it's the least I've ever enjoyed doing this show. <laughs> I can't think of a fucking thing to say about this match. Well, would you rather comment on uh, the burgeoning feud that emerged from this week's Dark? <laughs> Brandy <laughs> versus Allie, who's no longer the bunny? Yeah. Did they? Are they going to address that? Like, Allie was all over uh, QT Marshall, and she's it's like, well, hang on a second. What happened to the buddy? There's Blade and Butcher standing right over well, there, Blade dressed, and Butcher, dressed in all white. Yeah, Blade and Butcher now look like they're fucking <laughs> sharpening their single-blade razors outside of the barber shop at the moment. <laughs> I, I was thinking they were no brother where art thou about to baptize you. <laughs> that works, <laughs> too. Like, yeah, fuck. Uh, but yeah, I'd rather talk about almost anything than Dustin Rhodes and Sean Spears. Do we have to talk about I mean, it? We did get to see uh, the perfect tens, uh, perfect Heine, I guess. So that was something. Oh yeah, but but you're like me, Jamo. You 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 see a lot of local wrestling, so we got we got Ladies Choice out here. He's always showing his ass. Yeah, I mean, so it's like showing ass is no big thing at this point. Yeah, it's like I you're gonna try and pop me showing a man's ass in wrestling. I'm seeing it. <laughs> there were a couple summers there. I'm seeing it every other weekend at the Safferton. You know. <laughs> Uh, who I can who won the match? Dustin, Dustin Rhodes, Rhodes won, I think. won in quick uh, work because of course uh, Sean was not dressed to wrestle. He came out in a suit and uh, had all of his uh, clothing removed: his shoes, his socks, his pants, his jacket, his shirt, and then he was pinned in his undies. Uh, an embarrassing oh, match yeah. that lasted, I think, a shade over three minutes. Awesome. Won't get that back. I can't you know? believe you said awesome at the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I, I more meant that it was awesome than it was just a shade over three minutes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, did you even listen to a word I just said? <laughs> no, you said, you said, you said it, it was a shade over three minutes. I said awesome. Yeah, okay, okay, <laughs> that's that's you. roughly. I would. I might. I might have had it go no more than 120 <laughs> seconds. In fact. We've we've spent too much time. In fact, I would have it. given all of that time to Chris Statlander and Penelope Ford. <laughs> yeah, I would have I would have given that to just Penelope Ford wrestling a mop. Something something to that extent. Uh, this next one though, JMO, uh, Hikaru Shida taking out the monster, taking down the undefeated, taking 
home the AEW Women's World Championship as she takes out Nyla Rose. This was surprising to me. I didn't think it was time to take it off Nyla. Uh, yeah, and and I have some problems with this result, honestly, because... Me too. Uh, I mean, yes, and I said this on Central on Sunday, you can make the case that you're striking while the iron is hot over the course of the COVID tapings and uh, the way everything's gone over the last three months. Uh, who has the most momentum? Who's the hottest act in the AEW women's uh, division? It's obviously Hikaru Shida. And so, you know, when they do the right thing in the right moment, we shouldn't point and say you shouldn't have done that. But at the same time, this is a company that just like WWE told everyone, if you don't want to come in, if you're not comfortable working these tapings during the quarantine era, then we're not going to punish you at all for that. Don't worry about it. It's totally fine. Uh, and, it, you know, the timing as well with the Brit injury, and we didn't mention it earlier, but Nyla got dropped on Brit's leg by Sheeta and Statlander, and that's what's taken her out for the next two and a half months. It does feel like kind of two forms of punishment in that it's like, well, you were the champion and you weren't here for the last three months, and then when you came right. back, you took out our prized possession. So... Uh, fuck you. Um, yeah, it does come across like that to me. I, I absolutely agree with cause, you. Because like she should have also... gotten a long run as a monster champion, so that the person who eventually beats her feels like a big deal. Not that you have to go as long as like Shayna went with the NXT title necessarily, but like that did feel like the booking direction that would make sense, and also that would tell a clear storyline in your women's division, which you have basically failed to do, save for Riho's initial hunt for the title which is more than a year ago now yeah i i just i would even push back on you saying like it, you could make the case it's striking while the iron is hot like does Sheeta feel super over to uh you? i mean there's no crowd so it's hard to say but yeah. in terms of the people that we talk to online I yeah think, yeah i think I people know. are crazy for her car Sheeta. yeah it's true i guess that's true maybe i just haven't quite seen it yet. i think she's great i just think she shouldn't have won it right now you think she's great I like, no, great. Like, but I see, I see potential in her. I see, like, I see. Uh, is she on the level of a? Uh, let, me, let me of a Natalia. Yeah, I think so. How about of uh, Sasha no. Banks? Okay, so some, but, so yeah, that's basically right. But, but could Somewhere... get there. Like, she's still early in her North American run here. We shouldn't forget that too. Like, a lot of these things are are project picks, right? You're kind of building to the future. And I mean, dude, look at where Britt Baker is now relative to where she was a year ago. But I agree, and and obviously, replace. It's tough without. You know, you don't have all your pieces right now, so who knows what they are planning? If you know if everyone's in play but even that said I, I just don't know it's a little bit like lance archer but cody with the tnt belt makes a little bit more sense because of the old man and he's the face of the the tv channel mm. i think it hurts nyla more than it helps Sheeta, if that makes sense like i i don't know how vital nyla feels without yeah the belt. especially you know if she can she's be supposed to be the unbeatable monster and we just got her star get beat in her first pay-per-view defense now you can say that about Lance Archer too, though. Not not that he's defending a title, but again, it's like here was the big moment, and you could beat Cody, who we've seen lose. Like that, that's a little strange, yeah. um, and, and it does seem weird. But again, it felt it felt worse for me with Nyla. I thought the match was okay. Yeah, uh, nothing wrong with it at all. Definitely better than the certainly other certainly better ones. than the two matches. That, yeah, that that exactly. preceded it got the show back on track. I would say. Not as on track as their main title, though, JMO. I thought the AEW World Championship match between Jon Moxley and Brody Lee was kick-ass. Uh, it's funny that Taz debuted in a 
uh, kind of on-screen role <laughs> in this match because I had just watched, and we talked about it on last week's show, two weeks ago, Josh, I watched ECW yeah. Heat Wave 98. This match felt a lot to me, a lot like Bam Bam versus Taz from that show. And it also felt a lot like Lance Archer versus Mox from Wrestle Kingdom earlier this year. Uh, and I got no problem with that. Like, you know, we, <laughs> yeah. we talked about last week kind of the fun of Moxley, maybe watching him pull people of disparate styles into his own style. If he's just going to be like the king of hardcore and have these street fright brawls with everybody who comes up, that's there's a I got a lot of time for that in your champion, you know, like dude, Mox's top guy runs so far and kicks ass, dude. Yeah, because nobody else really. There's a, certainly WWE is not willing to lean into uh, this degree of like hardcore deathmatch style stuff. It's obviously not on the level of like deathmatch, deathmatch. No, no. But but we don't see hardcore wrestling in WWE like hardly ever anymore. Uh, save for TLC once a year, and even that is, you know, starting to feel or extreme yeah, this... rules, I should say. Fucking, they have too many pay per views that are like, this is the only time of year we're allowed to use weapons um, <laughs> for, for four months. <laughs> and even then, half the matches on the show don't even. There was only yeah. one Extreme Rules match on Extreme Rules last well, year, and it was well, the not only that, sometimes, match. and sometimes there's a DQ in them anyway, like in the case yeah. of Hell in a Cell. Exactly. So. Uh, I thought Mox and Brody Lee put on a bit of uh, you want to see what a high-end brawl looks like clinic. Um, I was a little bit disappointed if I want to nitpick. Uh, you talk about the Bam Bam Taz match. Obviously, the spot going through the the ramp is an homage or, a, you know, it is that spot again. I thought AEW kind of dropped the ball on shooting that spot. I thought it looked way worse than the Bam Bam and Taz yeah, one. Yeah, the replays were better than it in the moment. Yeah, in the moment, my reaction was like, oh, jeez, like that's... Uh, <laughs> That's not. But again, that's because I've seen this Bam Bam Taz one, if not the match a million times, certainly the gif or shown people that moment however many times over the past, you know, 15 years. Oh, right? I can tell because when I went to watch the pay-per-view, it was like, would you like to resume in the middle of Bam Bam Taz? Like, no, I think I'll take it from the beginning. Thank you. Yeah, who do you think that was? Eh? That's hilarious. What should I put on as I'm falling to sleep? Yeah, that's too funny. Um, but I all in all thought this was uh, a great match, a good showing for Brody Lee who needed it. Although, what do you think of Brody Lee in a loss here? How, how does the Dark Order maintain its relevancy after eating one to, to Big Mom? Well, you know, what we talked about last week is that we haven't seen the full plan because Uno and Grayson haven't been there. I think yes. as soon as they do come back... That whole act gets a huge shot in the arm again. I don't You've know. You've got to lean into that, right? I, I don't know that we see Brody again until they're back. In much the same way that, like, you know, you and I were trying to come up with ways to uh, separate Bray and Braun before you eventually go back to Fiend Braun at some point down the line. We haven't even seen Bray Wyatt since that match, right? Like, right. There, there's ways to get around these things a little bit, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I thought he looked great in this match. And it, and it's so funny to, like, you know, I guess everybody makes these obvious jokes. But during the pay-per-view, you and I and uh, the boys, the sweet boys in the chat were saying, like, oh, can you imagine if WWE could just get their hands on a guy like Brody Lee? That's the things so they could do with him. Uh, like... 
this is a dream come true for this guy. I I really like Brody Lee as a person and not just because he's a Toronto Maple Leafs fan who happens to be sweet on our boy Blake Murphy. Uh, right. You know, like he seems like a good dude. When he wrote his open letter about his frustrations of only working an access match against, uh, I think it was Cassius Ono. Uh, last I was going to say, I think it's uh, Dominic Dijakovic. Yeah, you're it? right. You're right. It was. Or Dijakovic. It, now, so. Dijakovic. Uh, yeah. I, I really felt for that guy a lot because, dude, think about, I mean, both times you and I went out to Abbotsford for house show matches out in the Valley. Yeah, him and Brian. The first time he, it was him and Brian, and they worked the final match before intermission, which was to me the highlight of the entire show. And the second and and time Bray. we went yeah. out there was him and Bray, and that guy was a crazily over babyface. That entire building was eating out of his hand. People forget, I think, how huge Brody felt at the end of that Bray-Orton feud. He was the star coming out of it, and WWE, in much the same way that like uh, Matt Cardona and whatever Kurt Hawkins' real name is, uh, were talking on Talk Hawk is- Kurtman's, I believe. <laughs> Hawk Kurtman's. Yeah. Uh, on Talk is Jericho this week, we're talking about how the brass ring is a lie, because when people get it, and WWE didn't plan for it unless it came out of Vince McMahon's head. He's going to fucking hate it. That's exactly what happened to Luke Harper. Luke Harper was yep. a star coming out of that thing, and then he got punished for reasons that are completely unrelated to how he was actually delivering as a performer. So I'm very thrilled to see him step into AEW and immediately be presented not only as a main event talent, but a credible main event talent. Uh, you know, I, I felt great for the guy. So, uh, I, I, yeah, I think I think they can get some shine back as soon as Uno and Grayson are back because you have a, you have to know that uh, that Uno and Grayson are going to challenge for whoever has those tag belts when they come back. They were the number one contenders when they left. I was just so happy for it because I thought Brody Lee had sort of underdelivered in some promos, and I thought even against some of the jobbers, he looked a little bit not sloppy, but maybe a little rusty, or nothing had really had a ton of zap, maybe empty arena. And I was sort of like, oh no, like, is he gonna, you know, you know, what, what are we gonna do here? And and so to have him just put on a corker with Mox really, really uh, warmed my heart. Although, is Mox just that guy? Is Mox the guy who can make your Lance Archers and your Brody Lees have these these wicked brawls? Because I want to see Brody Lee and Lance Archer wrestle other guys because I think there's reason to believe that Mox might be somebody who can carry these, but it yeah. to be seen. Oh, I fully agree. Like, what were we talking about last week when I was doing my JR impression, saying that JR, like, adds some crackle, certainly to the presentation of a guy like Mox in much the same way he did to Austin back in the day? He sells the danger, right? He'll say, like, yeah. oh, Mo- you know a guy like Mox ain't going to put up with this crap. That <laughs> bastard better give that title back before he catches an ass whooping. Or what, like, you know, if when you sell the <laughs> I don't know why I like that impression so much. It's so funny to me. When you sell the danger of the baby face, (laughs) the danger of the heel is a lot easier to buy into as well. You know, like it feels like these guys are going to go to war. And for the most part, I do think Mox is going to deliver on that pretty well every single time. So uh, both guys came out of this looking real, real good. And uh, I'm excited to see uh, Mox versus uh, Brian Cage next month because I think it's going to be more of the same. And look, I, th- I don't want to drag this argument from our one of our chats into this uh, podcast oh, no. at the moment. But we don't have to get into my argument about NXT and whether it's overall beneficial. No, we can't. But part of my argument was, what is the benefit of NXT when a guy, ex- like exactly what we were talking about Matt Riddle earlier, right? Like a guy who's going to come out of NXT as a top guy and then immediately goes to the bottom of the ladder on the main roster. If you can't even get any like superstar shine 
so a guy can at least step in and be a mid-carder. Like, what is the point? Why do you have to make Andrade go through a two-year process of crawling from the bottom of the ladder all the way to, like, even the midpoint, really, at this point? Though maybe dropping the U.S. title this week is an a, a indicator that he is headed for a main event program against Drew McIntyre before too long here. Uh, my point, though, is, like, I was trying to make the case that it doesn't hurt guys to debut them in big, big roles, even if they don't win. They still come out looking big. And Mike Noble was... Uh, okay, no, Jamo, you're, you're, we're too far gone. No one knows what this discussion Former roommate is. of the show was... No one knows what you're fine. talking okay, about. Yeah, you're right, you're right. He said it ruins <laughs> people to me... lose their debut uh, program. And we saw it happen twice on this show. We're going to see it happen again with Brian Cage. I don't think those guys lose anything. I do think they come I out agree. looking like stars. What did you think of the the Death Rider getting a kick out of Brody Lee kicking out a one uh, before going I mean, out for out, the Dude, the finishing segment of this match was awesome. I know. Like to, <laughs> from the moment out. they crawled out and Brody's gushing blood out of his forehead, this thing was great. Okay, Jamo, we have a, a keep it or kick it to do. We have our questions to do. We got to talk a little bit about the TV this week, and we got a thirty-four minute Stampede Stadium match, a Stadium Stampede match to cover here. So let's just talk. We can't cover every moment of this thing, of course not. but let's talk about it on whole in the sphere of the cinematic matches, because I thought this was a, an absolute home run. I had a riot with this thing. I thought this was the best thing that any company has done in the quarantine era so far. I think this is a front runner for possibly even match of the year when it's all said and done. I had a great time with this thing. I thought the comedy was terrific. I thought it ended at just the right time. It was perfectly escalating to the finish. It never outstayed its welcome to me. I yes. thought it was a very good, clean storytelling, too, kind of going Going to all these different segments of the arena to dispatch members of the inner circle one at a time. And that's a great story to tell because it ties into the overall narrative you've been telling for months, really, going totally. all the way back to the beginning of Dynamite, that it's the inner circle who works together as a team. And they will overcome anything because they always have strength in numbers. They got isolated one by one by one, and they all fell to the elite. The good guys finally got their moment of comeuppance. The visuals in this match were just outstanding. This yeah, was a awesome stuff. sheer spectacle, the kind of which you uh, want from the best of pro wrestling. And man, I tweeted this, but as much as people complain about Kenny Omega not booking himself like enough of a star in AEW, he is establishing the DDT style as a viable thing that you can do in North America. And, you know, maybe that isn't enough to make up for the on-screen shortcomings, but I think that is a fucking hell of an accomplishment. Yeah, I, I thought this was wonderful for, for all the reasons you're saying and more. I, I thought that... Uh... First of all, Sammy Guevara, pay, I, everybody knows this, but he, he is worth every dollar to whatever AEW is paying him. I, I'm weirdly colder on him than I think a lot of people are in terms of his top end. Like where, where I see a lot of people saying, this guy is you know, a future top guy for, for AEW. I actually don't see that in him like I do for Jungle Boy or MJF, but that's a separate discussion. But I think in this role as like your hammy, cartoony heel taking a beating run away, he, is, he brings so much to the inner circle and more importantly, to whoever is facing the inner circle like they all get to look like such heroes against him so he was a real mvp throughout oh, this i thought the perfect one to be last man standing at the end of it for sure and yeah and deserved that you're right and uh I, the way jericho was dispatched in this match was hilarious to me as well i thought that was probably the biggest laugh that i got out of the whole thing was just hangman yelling the or rolling <laughs> the the line marker right over jericho's <laughs> the dead chalk body. Line, yeah but uh, honestly man i thought all of the 
the comedy spots, especially the football-related comedy between Nick Jackson and Jericho in the final of stretch course, was hilarious. tremendous. Uh, obviously, Matt Hardy going through his uh, his changes in that little shallow pool that had, I guess, the water from the Lake of Rejuvenation. Yeah. Well, I I mean, you must have. I think that's just Matt Hardy's relationship with water now. Like, as soon as I saw them near that pool, that's what I thought was going to happen. I mean, were, were you the I same? mean, yeah, he did it on Dynamite without even needing water, right? Yeah, just walk off exactly. screen and come right back on. Uh, I don't really think spot of the year can really count these cinematic matches because pulling off a spot live in a match is just so much more difficult. But that, you know, 15-foot one-winged angel would be in the discussion if it did. Oh, eh? absolutely, man. Just an incredible visual. And, like, look, those tables reveal crash pads below. No one cares. Who cares? The visual is still so amazing that you're not like, well, that was very safe, actually. Uh, No, I thought this was just tremendous. Uh, Again, exactly like we were talking about with Penelope Ford earlier. This is not a well you can go back to every single time. I think, uh, I mean, I don't even know, can you do a match like this? in an era where you are running with crowds do crowds have it in them to sit and watch something on the big screen in the arena for 34 minutes uh no way no way but maybe they do because this was so fantastic man like this 34 minute i it's a big ask i think what was the 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 house of horrors uh probably closer to 20 i would imagine and that felt like a lifetime i bet in arena but but we'll see who knows when done right that's always the difference maker jmo this pay-per-view on whole give me a later letter grade a later grade um right now actually it it kind of uh exceeded my expectations i think i think uh Nice. Uh, I think WrestleMania and Money in the Bank have kind of had me marking on a curve and just sort of saying like, well, relative to the circumstances, this was pretty good and entertained me for a couple hours and distracted me from like uh, life crushing depression or whatever, you know, like not that I have that right now. I feel pretty good to be no, no, with I, everybody. I get what you mean. Uh, though, yeah. Uh, you know, so like it's I've been a soft marking a little bit. But I, I, I do think that, especially the stadium stampede match, that is not something that you are grading on a curve. That is flat-out great, no matter the circumstances. Uh, and because I enjoyed largely most of the show leading up to it, I kind of will give this one... I'll give this one a B-plus as a show overall, not as a COVID show, just as a straight-up show. This was a B-plus for me. Very nice. I'm very close to you. I'm going to give it a solid B. I, I did think it died a little bit in the middle. Like I said, I wasn't sure. as crazy about the Cody also, Statlander those, and Dustin matches. Those matches are short, uh, save for the Cody one, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, it just felt like for... And even I wasn't like that into Sheeta and Nyla. I felt like there was a good half hour there where I was like, You're eh, I need to be brought back into this. Good but then again. Right, but then Mox and Lee and the stadium showdown got me there in spades. Really enjoyed the show, but yeah, I can't I can't discount that the middle I was like, oh man, I'm I'm ready to get back into this. So a B for me. All right, bad. Uh, you know what? What I will say about this: this is the first COVID pay per view where I do feel like I will probably go back and watch it in full again. Oh, like, that's I was nice actually thinking about say. that last night. Uh, I still. Uh, I, you know, I, I have access to it, shall we say? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I was thinking about watching it again because 
I do feel like I might have tuned out or was like going to fix lunch or something maybe during a couple matches. Sure. Uh, not that I wasn't, you know, paying attention for no, no, I get the majority mean. of it. But like this was a fun show and I wouldn't mind going back and, and looking at it again. And that's not something I can say about Money in the Bank uh, and probably not something I can say for a good half of WrestleMania. So. I wish I could say the same as you, man. I, I just think this era isn't going to hold a ton of rewatchability for me. Even Moxley, which I, I loved on this, I don't feel a ton of pull to go back and rewatch. I hope I'm wrong, but I just think something about this era doesn't have the glue of, of normal wrestling for well, me. Well, Josh, I think we will go from there to a little something I like to call Keep It or Kick It. Oh, my goodness. What is this? Uh, are you familiar with the rules of Keep It or Kick It, Josh? Not at fucking all. What are these uh, words? Right. Keep what? Okay. Well, I'm going to present you an idea from a long list of ideas that I've put together okay. from my idea-generating brain. And you're going to tell me <laughs> okay. if you want to uh, keep it, which means you love it, you like it, you want some more of it, you can't get enough oh, nice. of it. Or you want to cool. kick it, which means you absolutely despise it. It's the worst idea you've ever heard. You can't believe you're even friends with me. Do you understand the rules? Wow, this this is some segment. This sounds great. Yeah, yeah, I understand the rules. All right, with that, it's time to hit, hit the, the music. music. I've never heard it before. Okay. Ring of Honor not running a single show for the rest of 2020. Oh, keep it. <laughs> this is fun. Asuka never speaking English. Oh, keep it. It doesn't feel like too cartoonish for you. Or mm. even like a racial stereotype on some level. I, I don't need her to always be yelling. That's what makes it feel that way to me. If she okay. wants to make interacting like, hey, I'm not American. I'm going to speak my language and you can keep up with me. And she's an ass whooper. Yeah, I'm all in. Keep it. Part of me is on board with you there. But I also found it a little bit grating on commentary on Raw this week at times. Uh, that's, I'm not there yet, but it, it, I could easily see myself getting there. It's not even her that's grading. It's like the commentators like trying to not be racist while they're like, sure. uh, yes, definitely, Asuka, I do understand what you're saying or whatever they're saying. You know? Do you think a translator could work? Like if, if she was acting really aggressively and somebody's like trying to keep up and express how mad she was? Mm, I don't think so. Like they, okay. they tried to get Paige to be the mouthpiece for that yeah. whole outfit, right? And I didn't think it worked at all. So. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, yeah, maybe you are right. You, and you kept it. Uh, Britt Baker staying with AEW for her entire career. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, kick it. Because uh, women's divisions don't have the depth, so eventually you'll want the matchups. So kick it. Yeah, I, I do want to see her uh, run with where the big dogs play for yeah. at least a stretch of her career. And I do feel like... She's got to meet Adam Cole somewhere, and it's either he comes over or she does, you know? So well, Makes yeah. sense. Uh, Charlotte claiming the top dog status on Raw after dropping the NXT women's title. Kick it. Natalia going on an NXT excursion. Kick it. Jinder Mahal being Seth Rollins' next feud. Hmm. Ooh, man. Uh, next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can Jinder win? Uh, whatever you want, bud. Yeah. Yeah. Keep I mean, it. Seth's story kind of is that he's on a losing skid and his leadership is not what he thinks it is at the moment. So, yeah, maybe Jinder you know, wins. It's funny because we do this show and sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, the, the opinions of everyone is Justin's because that's who I hear the most. Like, you and I are the only people who like Jinder Mahal. There's 
no one well, else. Dude, he has this incredible babyface promo, and we haven't even seen him since then. <laughs> I know. And I do feel like his kind of yoga shanti vibe is a very good counterbalance to like the religious preacher thing that that Seth has going right now. I agree. And this is also a former NXT feud. It, this was, uh, you know, I, I believe Jinder's first big program, really. So I, I think it's the first title match. Uh, yeah, the very first uh, NXT title. That's the that's the final. Those two I guys. That's right. Uh, all right, we will move on from that one. You said keep it. Yes. Said Ricochet joining the Viking Prophets Challenge Series. Oh, kick it. The revival stay babyface for a full year. Kick it. Arn and Tully dropping their respective talents to join FTR. <laughs> oh man, I don't need Tully at all. Dude, uh, so kick it. Uh, FTR as a team name. Oh. I don't want to be a negative Nancy, but it doesn't feel natural yet, right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I hate to say kick it here because no one loves the top guys more than me. But And maybe I'll get there. But right, what doesn't help is the, the, the shirt they put out, that fuck the rest shirt. That, I thought that was so lame. I, I, I fully agree with you, bud. But, uh, but I, I listen, thrilled to see them. I'm sure we'll talk about it more. Uh, the fight pit becoming an NXT specialty match. Ooh, you, you mean like an annual, like a Hell in a Cell sort of for NXT? And it only exists in NXT. Fantastic. Yeah, keep it. The fight pit becoming a Matt Riddle specialty match. Oh, I can't say keep it to both, so kick it. But I love <laughs> Matt Riddle. Get Matt Riddle specialty match, though, should be some mix of weed and shoot. <laughs> uh, AW Shop selling inner circle football jerseys. Matt Riddle's bong blowout, you know? Uh, I mean, those those jerseys are a must. Keep it. Uh, Jericho and Tyson, their feud leads to Iron Mike picking a debuting wrestler to fight Y2J on his behalf. Oh, uh, kick it. Kick everything about Tyson's involvement. That debuting wrestler is Miro Barnyashev. <laughs> Come on. I, I don't need, I do not need... Our friend Rusev Miro with with Mike Tyson. Kick it. Uh, Undisputed Era getting called up to SmackDown. Uh, Keep it. Matt Riddle joins Brian and Gulak stable. Oh, man. Oh. Hmm. See, I like it because it gives them a a natural feud for the breakup. Like, I would only want it as, like, a short-run intro thing, if at all. But I... I don't think Riddle needs like the Brian rub, and he would be second banana to Brian no matter what. So I'll say I'd rather almost see them him oppose them. I'll say kick it. But what if, bud, Brian and Riddle become SmackDown tag champs with Gulak as their manager? You know what? I love it, but get get this is gonna sound insane. I think I I think he should be positioned as higher than tag team champions with Daniel Bryan. Yeah, that's fair. I just think as a debuting program, that's not bad for him at all. Um, I think it's great. Yeah, nothing wrong with it. Just if I'm if I have all the jobbers in the world, I'll kick it. But it's it's not horrible at all. All right, John Morrison becoming WWE Universal Champion. Kick it. Uh, n- never at any point during this run. Never at any point. Wow, I'm so enjoying him right now. To be perfectly I- honest. I don't see a ton of SmackDown. I've seen so many John Morrison singles matches for Lucha Underground titles, for Impact titles, for every title. I'm, there's so many guys on the roster. We need the top guy, John Morrison. I'm good. All right. MVP's stable expanding even further. 
Yeah, uh, keep it. Well, that would also require MVP uh, Bobby Lashley and the the Verk or Vink rather yeah. Thorn tag team actually being on screen together so weird. at any given moment. Dude, said Ricochet and uh, uh, Vink and, and Thorn have been relegated to fucking main event for the last two or three weeks now. It's crazy. No good. But, you know, add, add maybe a, another single star and maybe even NXT call-up, another one to MVP stable. Why not? Uh, I, only two more here. Are you ready, bud? Okay. I'm ready, bud. These have been great. All right, the penultimate question. Taz, yeah. wrestling in a multi-man tag match like oh. DDP did last year. Oh, see now. Okay, how how am I? Because I I I'm down for like Taz in a tag match. Like, am I allowed to say like I I I'm better. I, I don't need Taz in like a twelve man. Like, I got yeah, Taz yeah. in a six man. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm case, thinking. Right? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, keep it, like keep DDP it. was the third man in a six man tag, wasn't he? I can't remember now. And actually, that was earlier this year, not last year. So my mistake there. Uh, Can I piss off a lot of people? Sure, absolutely. Go for it. I don't like DDP worth a lick. <laughs> Never have. I I like him just fine as a guy. People are going to agree with you. I people don't agree with you. I don't need to see him wrestle in 2020, though I will say it was really fun to watch him do the leap off the turnbuckle, even though it was also <laughs> very scary. The the talking point of, like, he is, like, the most ripped off guy to not get a push in WWE coming over is, like, absurd to me. All right. One final question here. Okay. Keep it or kick it, Josh. Sting wrestling one final match in AEW against Cody. That's a great one. That's a really good prompt because my brain went one way and then I started doing the, well, so Cody and Sting. So this is presumably at the, yeah, um. This would be a pay-per-view. Are they kind of sure. similar wrestlers? Not not in terms of like move set, but in terms of like Classic again, I'm style. Nowhere, yeah, I'm nowhere near the most familiar Sting guy. I think I've been pretty open about this on the show. I've seen I've seen all the big matches you'd expect me to have seen, but but very little like the in and out. How old is Sting? Is he over fifty? Uh, I think so. Let me okay, kick right it now. Fifty's the line, man. Kick it. Uh, it says Sting age sixty-eight years, but that's the musician. That's not who I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. Uh, <laughs> Sting the wrestler is sixty-one. Yeah, no way. Minoru Suzuki's fifty-one, and he's like the outlier. Uh, I'm gonna say kick it. All right. Well, that, ladies and gentlemen. Was keep it or kick it? Ooh, that was a thrill. My, I can like feel it in my brain. It was a very different mode. Right? Isn't that fun? It is fun. I always get to sit in that chair. I figured we should uh, let you do it this time around. Well, thank you. That was that was a treat. I'm I'm very giving as a lover and also as a podcast co-host. Ladies, did you hear that? <laughs> Just kidding. No women listen to this show. <laughs> oh, where do we go next, Josh? Uh, why don't we? Well, we got a couple news and notes before the questions. We got to talk about the debuting FTR over on AEW, driving a big ass truck on into a tag team match. Uh, what did we think of the debut? What do we think of uh, no facial hair Scott Dawson now Dax Wheeler? Tell me everything, Madman. I loved it. I, I thought the moment yeah. was great. I thought them teasing the feud we've all been waiting for and then having the revival be baby faces is just terrific. 
Uh, I think we have a question coming up in the mailbag as far as who we want them to be uh, paired off with first. That's not like the natural pairings you would think of. So I'm going to save my answer for uh, why don't you just talk about it here? But uh, oh, okay, sure. Uh, Let's just do that question here. I'll give credit to the person while you're answering. I'll look it up. My uh, my fantasy booking in this particular situation, I think, has to wait a little bit because two of the three guys uh, are currently uh, not able to make the show due to travel restrictions. But my fantasy booking of what I want to see the babyface revival doing right now is form a trio with Cody Rhodes and go up against Death Triangle, which leads eventually to a Pac-Cody TNT title match and a revival Lucha Bros tag match. Wow, that's tough to do any better than that, isn't it? My God, yes. That's uh, that sounds that sounds about oh, right. And to we me. get a bunch of six man matches with all the guys in the lead up to whatever that pay per view is. That's what I would do. Uh, the question came to us from Pitbull Junior at Matt Reynus. Uh, I I frankly love your answer, JMO. Um, I think Cody can maybe introduce FTR to to an audience that maybe maybe isn't aware of like their talking abilities and i think they probably would have like some of that that drawl style going between the three of them like i can see the interplay working kind of well and it gives arn purpose yeah the arn being with the the top guys makes just all the sense of the right? world i'm sure he's be the greatest. aware of that too yeah i i'm struggling to think of anything as remotely as good as an answer as that i'm gonna just absolutely poach yours uh and i'll, I'll continue here though to to talk about what i thought of the debut i thought like you said uh the the turn was was an interesting call i certainly don't hate it um i like not rushing immediately to the bucks feud which i'm sure is tempting as hell and also like they have so much fan goodwill right now like i think trying to make them heels immediately it would just be impossible. You'd be fighting against the stream, and we often criticize WWE for trying to do that. So I think I should compliment AEW when they lean into the alignment that fans want to see, at least certainly out of the gate. I don't mind this being a situation like MJF where we know they're going to turn eventually, but uh, you know, people want to cheer for them right now, so why not? What did you think of the shave, Scott Dawson? I thought it looked great. I can I can I tell you something? Sure. This is this is this is what a junkie I am. This is this is my problem. I knew the moment Scott Dawson, and I'm not joking here. This is not a joke. I'm not. I wouldn't say this if it was not true. I promise. Okay. I knew the moment Scott Dawson did that facial hair, he was going to be babyface. This guy loves the business so much. I guarantee you, he was like, as soon as they knew he was going babyface, he's like, I'm shaving. And I guarantee when he's heel, he'll grow the hair back out. Like, he'll be a literal babyface right see, now. See, I figured that Brian Cage cornered him in the backstage area and was like, <laughs> now listen here, fella. Only one guy can have ridiculous facial hair on this show. Oh come on! Who who you who you taking in that shoot though? Uh, probably Brian Cage. Honestly, not a chance. Oh really? Come on. Well, you got first the of all, the top, on, bud. The top guys are never separated. That's true. Did you notice? Did you see them entering the ring together, taking off their jackets at the exact same time, like to the millisecond coordinated entering the ring? Uh, I did not Phenomenal. notice that, but I will go back. Then and check. they they cut away. They look at each other. They pull off their jackets in unison. It's like these guys just it, it's the hits keep coming and they don't stop coming. Stick to the rules because they're going to hit the ground running. Uh, that's what we like to hear, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Drew Gulak resigning with WWE. Yeah, man. were you were you surprised to hear uh, this? Happy, sad? Uh, yeah, I was surprised actually. When we talked last week, I had said that my feeling kind of was that he was going to end up in AEW because. 
there's probably more opportunity for him there, and he also has a ton of friends there. But I am kind of happy to see him stay uh, on SmackDown because I wouldn't say Daniel Bryan needs him. But, like, when Bryan said, thank you, you've made me better, that's not a lie, you know? No. Like, they are a great pairing. They were one of the only things uh, outside of Otis and John Morrison and, and maybe some uh, of the elements of the women's division, Sasha and Bailey, who are really clicking for me on SmackDown right now. So I kind of am happy to see him stay, and I hope that uh, uh, by playing hardball, he, he got himself a, a better position than he otherwise would have. So uh, obviously he's going to debut or re-debut on Friday. We haven't seen that as we record here on Thursday afternoon, but I am excited for it. I'm definitely going to watch SmackDown tomorrow, and maybe you will too for the first time in months. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, well, okay, hasn't been first. Time I'm teasing you. No, no, no. You're right. You're right. Well, look, though, I, though. I, I, what am I grinding your gears for that for? Like literally, immediately as I started like, giving you a hard time and called you Peter Rosenberg earlier, a minute earlier had just mentioned that I don't watch NXT ever. So, fuck. <laughs> well, you you watch SmackDown. I'll watch NXT. That's a more than fair trade. And to we'll, me. Uh, we'll keep uh, each other up to date. That's right. I, I will tune in. Uh, I was surprised, and. Uh, Boy, you wish this could happen with a crowd, eh? Yeah. But, I, I mean, it's less of a big deal for him to be staying there, I feel like, you know? Though even that kind of I return, agree. it's a like fake return pop, but there would still be something there. I do think you're right. It's, it would be a bigger loss if he was going over to the other side and there was no pop for him to debut, I think. Before we transition into questions here, JMO, is there one point from Raw or Dynamite that you'd like to just get out there before we transition to the question? I actually really enjoyed the Mike Tyson segment with Jericho. Whoa. Okay, we have a question about oh, that Oh, actually, later. I Can missed you... a question in my list of keep it or kick it. Can oh. I ask it to you right now? Sure. All right. The inner circle staying together until Chris Jericho retires. Keep it. I thought you would say that, bud, and that's why we're the hashtag fucking good friends. Yeah, no, I, I think I couldn't, I couldn't say enough good things about the inner circle. I think they're one of the the, the great ta- factions going. One of the they're amazing. Yeah, you did not enjoy all of the MMA guys though with uh, with Tyson on on the Wednesday. Come on, I I kind of did like it honestly. I thought the ones I thought Vitor Belfort looked magnificent. He understood what looking serious is supposed to be. Uh, come on, do, do you think Mike Tyson is coming across as threatening? No, even no, he's, he, he looks like he's holding back yeah, laughter. He's, he's the baked out of his, his gore. He's having the time of his life. He, yeah, he's he's the guy who was squaring off against Stone Cold because he couldn't box because of criminal charges. Gone. Isn't there yeah, anymore? He's, long, long gone. he's a he's a pot guy he's a he's a marijuana mogul he's baked out of his gourd yawning during matches and no i i don't i don't buy him in this role even remotely and it's a little sad frankly i I do think there's still entertainment value too especially when you're an act like jericho and act like the inner circle you've just come off a big loss you don't have a natural next step as far as who the the next inner circle or even jericho feud is uh, I don't think he, they're going to feud against Mike Tyson and a pack of MMA fighters necessarily, but I am curious. Really? That's exactly what I, I am curious like. to see where this goes ultimately. And uh, 
even if it's just a war of words, I know Tyson wasn't great on the mic on Wednesday, but uh, I, I, I thought Jericho. Come on, was it th- great on the mic? Jericho had to tell him to shut up when he wasn't I, talking because he forgot his I line. thought Jericho was really fun, though. And anything, <laughs> he and was. anything that allows he Jericho was. to perform on that level, like to me, I think is ultimately a good thing, even though uh, I do feel you on the Tyson complaints. I, I'll say this. Uh, Rashad Evans, who was, who was rolling with them, uh, is a great promo and a great talker. So I don't know if maybe... They want to transition ahead to give him the mic, but no, I, I don't know, man. I want to like that. I like all those guys, uh, but no, I, I don't find Tyson. If you're going to do that, let Tyson be funny. I think you might have better luck with that, and he might even play better off Jericho, but this, like, don't talk about that. You're a sucker. Well, you're, like, holding back laughter. I was like, this is off. Yeah, and just so many references to Raw without mentioning oh, Raw, right? Oh, That's very strange. A Monday in 97. It's like, guys. <laughs> in 2010 or 2011, I think it was. Or whatever. If, gosh, it might as well have been 97 if you're still talking about it in 2020. I mean, <laughs> what are we doing here, guys? I mean, doing long-term storytelling. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do we always complain about it. <laughs> yeah, that's what they're doing. <laughs> they're, they're paying off an angle. Yeah, that's that's why I came across. Two things from Raw, though, before we get to questions, sure. and I'll keep them quick. Uh, two promos that I thought were very, very good. Mm. One of them not surprising. One of them kind of surprising. Oh, okay. Uh, Edge in the backstage sure. promo I thought was very, very good, but that's nothing to be surprised by at this point. I think we both agree he's sure. one of the best actors in wrestling. Can I guess who your other it, one is? He brings it every time. I think you know. Yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. Uh, it got to be Nikki Cross, right? Uh, n- no, actually. Oh. I was going to say Seth Rollins. Oh, shoot. Okay, I'm, I'm way off. I thought Seth Sermon yeah. kind of gimmick finally actually landed this week. I did and think I that loved was the segment uh, with the new disciples. And, and dude, uh, Austin Theory's new gear, his disciple gear, yeah, is so awesome. I agree. Like, That's all really fallen together, I think. Oh, that is like what? What were we saying at the last pay per view? Oh, this gimmick sucks. He needs to change it. They just tweaked it a little bit, and it it really is landing now. I think in a big, big way. But yeah, you're right. I actually forgot about that Nikki Cross promo. I thought the iconics opposite them were were spectacular this week too. Me too. Uh, I just you know what I was thinking the other when I was watching that with uh, Seth and the proselytizing. I know the pieces aren't all quite there. But boy, I I could get into the Monday Night Messiah and his crowd versus the Straight Edge Society. Like, there's this similar sort of vibe. It's not Straight Edge Society was more serious, but can you imagine Punk, Serena Deeb, and Gallows versus those three? Be fun. I just feel like there's it's like he's like religious. Should undertones. Seth bring a woman into his stable next? That maybe that should have been in Keep It or Kick It too. Uh, only if it's his uh, ex girlfriend or ex fiance. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, I mean, uh, I like that in factions in general. So, uh, it's having having a finger in kind of every division, right? Yeah, they uh, have a be- presence when the women are wrestling, and they, you know, it feels like a more. The one thing I think I've said this before Dude, on I'm- the show, but I hate to give Vince Russo credit, but his broken clock twice a day thing is he is correct when he says the Attitude Era was good at making all of WWE feel like a universe and that it was connected and, and stuff like that helps. But I think Raw has done a great job of that over we the gave last, it credit last couple week. weeks. Yeah, like th- sure. I think that's a big part of what we were complimenting last week when we went in on how great that show was. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just yeah, I, I'm I'm into it, and I'm I'm really excited to see uh, Murphy and Austin Theory as a tag team. Like I, I'm I'm licking my chops at the idea of those guys going up against the Street Profits, those guys going up against Cedric Ricochet or Ced uh, Ricochet. Sorry, very nice. Uh, uh, I have to do the portmanteau every time. I know no one thinks it's clever at this point, but I'm going to keep hammering that. Not no one. 
<laughs> you do. <laughs> um, one one thing though that we do need to talk about with Raw before we get to questions sure. is that they had an audience. They took the cue yes. from AW. Thank they you. put their locker room out there in the stands. They put them behind hockey glass. Uh, but they were there. They were all cheering. Jessamyn Duke was confirmed as the future of Raw when <laughs> Kevin Owens said, anybody who's wearing my shirt, and she certainly was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's no denying that. Uh, yeah, so I was bang on with that. <laughs> yeah, you, when you said Jessamyn Duke was the future, who knew how right you were? <laughs> I bet you that take's going to age like gold. Oh, That should have been my worst take of the year last year. You know uh, it should have been. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I actually agree with you. It wasn't uh, but, even in the top three. <laughs> but you know what, dude? I thought it actually had a negative impact on the show overall. Oh, I feel that's like last. I feel like last week they really figured out how to run a show without a crowd and have it not be that noticeable, which was by having the show feel a lot more scripted, feeling a lot more like a television show. Uh, you know, having a, a a kind of forward momentum of every single segment. I felt like they undercut themselves a lot with a ton of unnecessary cutaways to largely Shotzi Blackheart over yeah, and lot, over and over Shotzi and over and show. over again. A good reactor, though. You understand why. It's, of course, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mostly, I, I thought it was an improvement, but I did think it was a worse show this week than last week, so I don't know exactly where that puts me. I, I like the audience, um, but... I didn't think it was as strong a program. So, Jamie, well, I got to get one thing out there about Dynamite before we jump into the questions. Sure, let's go. And no one's going to like it. Uh, but they need to use Orange Cassidy less in ring. Boo. I know. Boo me. Hang on. A pause for booze. Boo. Uh, I think the character. You Actually, I think it's funny if you boo is the bed to this. But I think the character is best served when it's like almost a surprise that this super lazy guy has this in him when you really get to him i agree and now it's just like in a battle royal he's rocking like rana's out of every corner I, I honestly think his only appearance on the show should have been walking through the background of the inner circle yeah uh a little bit there and maybe that's the next program for the inner circle maybe we get jericho and, and santana and ortiz against uh, the best friends in Orange Cassidy. Th in that's the, two we Wednesdays in a it, it's two Wednesdays in a row where Orange Cassidy was straight up one of the best workers in the ring on the show. Like, yeah, and, and to me, when I was watching him do it last week, I was like, isn't it funny that we were like picking our brains trying to come up with how to present this guy on television? And the answer is clearly change nothing. Yeah. Just have him do exactly Dude. what he's been doing. Yeah, it, it's worked. But I do agree with you that. Uh, it, it, it might be hitting uh, an oversaturation point a little bit. Too much pulp. Let it breathe. Orange Cassidy. That's exactly right. And it's hurting best friends. Best friends are getting a push right now, and he, he swallows them. I do fully agree with that. Uh, like Chuck Taylor in particular suffers, I think, for uh, having Orange with them all the time. Because at least Trent is still the body, right? You're yes. always going to be like, oh, that guy looks great. Yeah, if, if Dustin was the funny one, it's like, oh, hang on a sec. <laughs> yeah, anyway, JMO, let's get into the mailbag because I thought there were some some real home runs in there this week. Uh, so thank sure you were. all for for sending in your questions. JMO, are you ready for our first one this week? I sure am. Let's go. It comes to us from the duality of the franchise, Scoots Brodo at Scoots Brodo, who asks. With uh, Trump signing an executive order letting us lodge formal complaints against people who are mean to us online, who are the hashtag good friends clamoring to exact revenge against, such as Chase Owens for blocking their entire listening audience? 
I mean, it has to be Chase, right? Yeah, it's, like, it's got to be like Chase. I feel like he's answered his own question here because, like... Sometimes well, this happens in the questions. It's like, the, it's, here's the question, and then you give the funniest answer. Has the PCD crew gone to war against David Bixenspan and gotten themselves blocked by Bix? They sure have. Yes, yeah. Have I gotten myself blocked by Bix? No, David came on my radio show and no. was a delightful guest. I think that means you're not part of the PCD crew. <laughs> I don't have anything to make up for there. The only guy who we are still in a continued beef with who saw us in person and was like, oh, it's these guys and looked like he'd seen a ghost. <laughs> It's Chase Owens. <laughs> so, true. yeah, we got to present the case against Chase and uh, get the U.S. government to mandate his appearance on these uh, very airwaves. I'll, uh, I'll throw out, uh, we know about uh, Ryback blocking me on Twitter. I could, uh, Ryback and Pat Buck, uh, those are the two guys who maybe I could uh, get back on. J-Mo. Uh, I gotta hash out my beef with Jim Cornette as well. <laughs> Maybe you don't actually. That, that one might might be yeah. better off dead. Yeah, I agree. Uh, next one, Jamo comes to us from at BoofroC. Boof Twitter asks, which wrestling maneuver would be the most uncomfortable to find yourself in with your co-host? Think awkward as opposed to painful. Okay. I don't uh, want you giving me a stink face. Oh, are we? Are we giving it to each other, or are we both receiving it from the same guy? I took it as, like, we're executing the move. Okay. I was thinking we would be, like, taking double sharpshooters from Bret Hart. I oh, that's... That. No, that doesn't sound fun at all. <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah, especially but at least he's just going to be like, Oh, at my brother it... Owen knew how to sell this. You guys, you green, you wet ears. He'd just be, like, shitting on how bad we were at it. It's like, listen, I... I'm just at doing least this because it was a question on the podcast. I didn't. I wasn't asking for Bret Hart to shit on my technique. And, and we could do the uh, revival thing of when I'm about to tap, you grab my yeah. arm, and I'm like, "No, brother, we got this." <laughs> so I love know. that spot. Yeah. yeah, it's great. I absolutely love that spot. Our next question this week comes to us from at Funny Man JD. It's our dear friend Jordan Descharm, and he asks. Do you guys think they ever go back to being heavy machinery again? And if not, does Tucker last six months as a solo? I actually think Tucker is very charismatic. I think he came across fantastic in the uh, courtship uh, kind of program with Mandy Rose when he was, you know, like the sensitive older brother trying to be like looking out for his boy on an emotional level. I thought he came across great. And, uh... I do, yeah, I think they have to go back to heavy machinery at some point. Like, I don't think Otis is, like, just automatically launched into a main event spot now. Like, he can still go back to the tag division. The The character itself is very, very over, but his positioning, like, he could go anywhere and feud with anyone, and it would be an important part of the show. Otis is charisma embodied and obviously interesting, and the way more high ceiling member of heavy machinery but tucker's the better worker and when you want to like get back to having matches and less comedy like tucker lends himself to otis like i could almost see him if they don't go back to being heavy machinery just being like otis's heater at some point yeah like, exactly i was thinking that exact same thing the guy who wrestles the matches against the opposition in the lead up to the pay-per-view match against otis that's a valuable role certainly for sure so yeah and like and if he can have some good matches on tv before that like that that doesn't hurt him either especially attaching your wagon to a hot at just isn't a bad thing and then if you do you know they're rumoring oh the brands might split up again or reshuffle you know who knows where he lands then but no i i don't think tucker's dead he's a big guy too you know like that that doesn't hurt your chances either 
Yeah, and I, I think of Tucker in a much similar way that I think of Angelo Dawkins. Like, when, Yeah, I when agree you, with that, actually. When you look at those teams, you well, automatically assume the other guy is the star. I think Dawkins is fantastic. I thought yeah, Dawkins I, in the backstage segment with MVP this week mm-hmm. was amazing. Yeah, I actually only disagree with you because I think Dawkins, it's actually much closer with Ford than it is with Tucker and Otis. Like, I think yeah, that highly of Dawkins. I, I but I do get what you're saying you. for sure. I just think it's a similar dynamic to people overlook how good they are just yeah, because the totally. other guy gets so much shine. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, absolutely agree. Uh, next one here, Madman, comes to us from uh, at Doug Crap. It's our guy. It's. Doug, Doug Crap. Crap. That's harder to do uh, over without... Especially uh, when his over. screen name is now Doug Crap, too. You know, yeah. saying the same name twice. Yeah, you know, it's, <laughs> when do you say it? But he asks, and I think this is a good one, uh, how do you think Finn Balor's career differs if he never used the demon gimmick? If he's just a cool guy in a leather jacket that loves to fight? Sure. Oh, he loves to fight. Something like about Russell those Crow. Irish boys, they just love to fight. They love a good brawl. <laughs> Uh, I honestly think he's still on the main roster right now. I I think his career would be worse, to be honest. I, I, I think part of Finn Balor getting over was the entrance, for sure. Definitely in NXT, but I do think it maybe worked against him on the main roster, perhaps. Just like inconsistency of presentation sort of thing? Yes. Yeah, and like confusion about what it actually was. Yeah, I and mean, we've talked about this a million times. Yeah, yeah, no so. need to dig it. Yeah, it, it, it's hard, you know, we'll never know for sure. Um... But he's kind of a flat guy. Like, I, I, he needs a big gimmick, I feel like, you know? I mean, he's he's certainly got something big helping him out with wow. his appeal to a certain segment, I would you say. You talking about his hog? Uh, no, I was talking about just his, his big beaming smile, Josh. Yeah, you huge filthy dick. fucking animal. Oh, what is oh, wrong with you? Smile. I can't believe this guy that I do yeah. a show with has got such a fucking toilet brain but yeah, that's uh, my bad that I, is my bad. i introduce you as the brain genius the wrestling brain genius no less yeah and you disappoint me this way <laughs> on this day on this episode <laughs> of all episodes how dare you sir i've let you down again okay <laughs> uh jay Moore, next one here comes to us from at fruits are edible it's dr fruits are edible phd which stands for punk pretty hot dad pretty hot dad actually yeah that's true that's true of our friend craig and he asks who would make better pro wrestlers soccer or rugby players that's kind of easy to me isn't it rugby players definitely i mean you'd think rugby players have like the tough guy element down but there's definitely like a pretty boy acting element of soccer and wrestling as well that i feel yeah that's true translatable like soccer players become stars on a level uh and not just because soccer is like the most popular global sport but i think i think even people that don't like soccer know who every big soccer player is right like yeah for sure i think that translates well to wrestling i might actually go soccer on this one i think soccer players become ricochet and rugby players become mocks yeah that's probably true but but hey soccer players might uh, have that dolph thing of like wow they really can sell that's true. Yeah, that's true, too. They go down like the old sacks of potatoes. Yeah, maybe they sell too much, honestly. Yeah, that's, uh, I, yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, there's an argument for both, but I, I'll go on the record and I'll say uh, the rugby players. Uh, J-Mo, uh, at Fate Kane, the well-done hot, the well-done hot dog bun. Boy, I can talk today. The well-done hot dog bun asks, what vehicle do the good friends pull up? Oh, there's a typo here. 
pull up to Daly's place in to interrupt an AEW segment. So <laughs> what vehicle would we show up to AEW? Yeah, with? we've seen multiple trucks pull up to, to Daly's place lately. And uh, I think you and I would have to pull up in, a, in an old 1993 school bus that we bought for uh, $500 off of <laughs> on Able Auctions. auctions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our group chat was kind of close to buying a bus <laughs> earlier this week. <laughs> Maybe kind of close is even overselling it. Investigating what that might look yeah, like. Yeah, it was $600 for a full-size school bus. Why it just wouldn't seemed you too do cheap that? for a bus. Yeah, yeah, that's the kind of price you'd be a fool to pass up. Yeah, Especially like... if I can write it off as a business expense because we're going to crash dynamite in it. Like, <laughs> let's go, bud. Can you imagine having, like, 20 friends just in a road trip on a bus? It would be insane. And then we get to Daly's place, and as soon as we pile out of it, the thing, like, blows up as a massive TV moment or whatever. Yeah, it would be... Yeah, I, Why I'm, could I just not say... I just could not say pull up to Daly's place. There we go. Uh, yeah, school bus that costs $600 feels like a great answer. Do you have one one uh, particular to you? Uh, I would, I would, um, hmm, I'd take a, I'd go with a smart car and you know why I'd do it? Because I used to drive a smart car for one before my brother totaled it. But also, uh, because when you pull up to Daly's place, the gap is so narrow, right? The trucks have to stop way far away from the ring. I think a smart car could just go right through there and drive all the way to the ringside area. That's true. You wouldn't get stopped. You're, you're all, you you might even be able to walk up to the stairs of the smart car. (laughs) Exactly. You get good enough uh, with uh, hydraulics. It just occurred to me how funny it is that Emerson's asking this question. uh, One of the the great uh, the great truck drivers on earth. Absolutely. Uh, I think um, you know those those old station wagons with wood paneling. Yeah, yeah, like a Westphalia. Yeah, I think I think those with really average looking rims might be kind of cool for me. Okay, yeah, I'm into that. I feel like that's I'm just like your rolling vibe. in your trunk. Like you're wearing like a pineapple Pete style shirt as you get. Yeah, out of the- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. The the seats are down in the back. I've got like a mattress down. Yeah, you could you could, I think you could have a successful run tagging with pineapple Pete. Honestly, I think that's uh, if the guy could learn to get on my level work rate wise. I think we could make that happen. <laughs> Shook D and Josh C, are you kidding me? It writes itself. <laughs> writes it damn self. JMO, thick boy season at Blair Pacheco asks, which veteran wrestler are you bringing in as your mouthpiece when you debut in AEW? Oh, it's got to be Sting, right? Like, we keep, we're hearing that he's going there anyways. Why, 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 why do you want Sting? Uh, I, cause I feel like I'm very like brooding and emo like he was back in the nineties. <laughs> so you like, want like crow There's thing. that side of me. Yeah. yeah he's going to teach me to safely descend from the top of the, of the arena. That's, uh, I think that's a great choice. You know what, which direction I'm going this one, JMO? Um, I think I do. Can I guess? Y- yeah. I, do you want some hints? Can we say it at the same time? I don't think you'll get it without a hint. Uh, can I just guess straight up without yes. a hint yeah, right guess. now? Yeah. It's the Sandman. Wow. I hadn't, uh, you know, it isn't. But gosh, he and I could really make quite the pain. How did you we? not even consider the Sandman? What are, you, well, what are we doing here? Because I love the Sandman, but do he and I have similar energies? Uh... No, not really. He, like, like, I don't feel like Sandman likes me all that much, you know? I, I've kind of like, uh, you know, it's like, oh, hey, how's it going? And Sandman's like, ah! But I also feel like he, you two, like, especially as you get into the silver bullets, bud, 
well, might that. might have the same kind of contentious energy that like you and Ducharme at the end of a Friday night used to have, where it's looking like, to get into trouble. Yeah, we come home from the bar and you two fight each other. <laughs> yeah, that's that happened. I mean, that's many times. That's just how sometimes things get. Uh, you know, you, you had a couple of the cold golds. Uh, I, I feel like that's true. But I was thinking of who it's like, who can I have like promo interplay with? I took it seriously and I'm like, who? And I really think Raven and I would like get it done. Ooh, like, that's Raven's a great a, pick. He's an underrated promo, but he also is like a high energy guy. Uh, so yeah, I pick Raven for my in particular mouthpiece. Yeah, I think that's even better than Sandman. Well done, bud. Raven and I in that uh, station wagon. <laughs> There's, a, there's an act that is destined to open up main event. <laughs> All right, J-Mo, here is you're our on, final You're question. on the dark match of dark. <laughs> Don't even yeah, make the a... web broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they literally make me drive the car show to show. They will not rent me a station wagon in the town. It's like, sorry, kid, you're not selling enough tickets. Like, <laughs> like and we got to keep raving in the painkillers anyway. So. I love it. Jaybar, our final question this week is, of course, a Cullen classic from at Cullen the Comic. John Cullen asks, so Mike Tyson showed up with a bunch of retired MMA fighters last night. True. Josh, boy, it makes me realize now I really should put these questions far apart because they are somewhat similar. Josh, book your dream angle with a current MMA fighter getting involved in wrestling. Assume they could have a competent match. Justin, the exact same question, but with a hockey player. Ooh. Do you want to take this one first? Uh, I need time to think on that. Okay, I can I can go then because I I know what MMA fighter uh, would get involved in wrestling. Okay, and it's got to be Anderson Silva because I don't think the pro wrestling world is aware that like the best fighter on earth for a decade <laughs> was this thin Brazilian man with a voice this high who talks like this <laughs> and is like the most flashy Terminator on Earth who's, when asked who his fighting idol is, answered Michael Jackson and is like a good dancer. Like, the, it, it's so a thing that would work in pro wrestling. Like, imagine if Fandango fought like Aleister Black. Like, that was real. Like, that's what was happening over in Mixed Martial Arts. Uh, and so you would have Anderson enter opposite Brock Lesnar. Like, here's this uh, sort of shrine to machismo, you know, the, the Vince McMahon ideal, this this 6'6", blonde, you know, monster, mm -hmm. and just get his ass kicked by, like, this total opposite energy and yet a far superior combatant in the world of fighting and i think that'd be a really interesting thing to explore within the the world of professional wrestling inside the squared circle that sounds great um i have come up with my hockey player as well who is he he is tom wilson of the washington capitals are you at all familiar with this gentleman i am actually but i was hoping you were going to say dougie hamilton oh i love dougie we everybody yeah. loves dougie dougie's too nice i think to succeed in the world of professional uh, wrestling he's a sweetheart he could be a manager okay. a babyface manager uh but he would not be managing tom wilson because tom wilson is no babyface my friend <laughs> no uh he, he has 
I think the physique and the dashing good looks as well to succeed That's true. as as a top guy maybe in the world of, of uh, professional wrestling. But he also has the ruthless aggression. This is a character who cannot help himself from getting suspended constantly <laughs> in the NHL for, uh, you know, not even borderline, straight up dirty hits. He is a dirty player. <laughs> he is a cheap shot artist. And it's frustrating too because he has the skill – uh, to put up big points where he doesn't need to play the game that way. You know, it's one of those guys where it's like, oh, you're so good. Why do you do this shit? Which I think is yes. part of the uh, part of being a successful uh, heel as well in pro wrestling is like Seth Rollins has the skill to not cheat all the time. And yet he does cheat all the time. And that's why we wave the finger at him. Uh, so, yeah. And I, and I think he really leans into pissing people off pretty well as well, both on the ice and on Twitter, too. So, uh, yeah, I think Tom Wilson would do a great job uh, in the world of pro wrestling, and then maybe we'll even see him hop the barricade at a WrestleMania down the line. <laughs> who knows? Well, now they got that hockey glass up over on Raw. Of course. It's making more and more sense. Yeah. Who was there somebody as a, a wrestling opponent you, you have in mind for him? Uh, Tom Wilson would go up against... Has to be like a baby face, right? Yeah, and I... Hmm... <sighs> You know who I think would match up interesting uh, against, like, a rough hockey brawler and might be a fun story to tell? Uh, John Moxley. Oh, that's kind of cool. Not not that I love that. Uh, can I float an idea sure, your way? Sure, yeah, absolutely. It becomes a story of, like, hockey guys are the brawlers. Like, we're the toughest guys on earth, and if you don't think so, you're an idiot. And the wrestlers all sort of garner together, and they get Sheamus. Like, they get their bar brawler. It's like, oh, yeah, you think hockey players are rough? Here's Sheamus, and you give Sheamus a baby pay face push as, like, the roughneck backstage brawler guy. Welcome to my world, fella. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> are you telling me you're not in on oh, that? Oh, absolutely. Sheamus being like... <laughs> We're not on skates, fella. I'm not locked in here with you. You're <laughs> locked in here with me, fella. And and I think that and I like Seamus when he's doing the the hard hitting style. Oh, you yeah. know, I, I always think that's when he's at his best. I, I've long talked about him wanting a him and Alistair Black feud, and I feel like this sort of gets a, a sniff of that. No, yeah, I, I'm I'm very much on board with that, and I never would have picked that. So I'm glad you brought it up. Madman, that does it for this week's episode of Top Marks. We went, uh, oh, almost to the two-hour mark. I bet people are thrilled to still be it's listening to It's a long one this week, but you know what, bud? I felt like it never dragged. I had a great time doing this. Not me. I've been bored as hell since around minute 18. Yeah, you've just been thinking about what you're going to do on your Animal Crossing island as soon as we end the call here. <laughs> no, I'm addicted to this game Bug Fables that came out today. Oh, really? What's that like? Yeah, I've just, it is like, it is a... Basically, did you play Paper Mario 64? Uh, I am not. I did not because I did not have an N64 until way later, but I am familiar. Ah. Well, if any of you like the Paper Mario style of game, Bug Fables is that. Uh, and I am, what, maybe... Honey, how long did I play Bug Fables for this morning, do you think? A couple hours, yeah. So I'm two, three hours deep and greatly enjoying it. Well, I just picked up Dragon Quest Eleven for Switch. So oh, that I have boy. another JRPG to jump into as soon as I finish Pokemon. Yeah, baby. Here, so excited for that. I know so many people who just adore that game. I haven't even started it yet, but I did love Tonight We weekend? Riot. That was super fun. Hang on. Okay, so you're. I, sometimes I tease you about how you're always talking about the patio. You know, yep. I, I joke around oh, yeah, about yeah. that. But I got to ask you: Do you ever bring your switch out? Oh, there? absolutely, bud. Oh, that's yeah, got to. That's be what nice. I'm thinking. I'm gonna do as soon as we hang up here. <laughs> 
Does it? Does the like the sunlight hitting it? There's no glare. Well, or I have like an anti gravity chair that I can lean back in, and then I can hold the switch up so that the oh. switch blocks out the sun. Wow, that sounds like a nice way to spend an it afternoon. It is a hell of a nice way to spend an afternoon. Or I can pull up a chair underneath the umbrella at the table and uh, enjoy a nice cold beverage while I catch some Pokemon as well. Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, if you want to help JMO continue to do that, uh, why don't you support him? Go on, listen to Wrestle Central over on Sportsnet 650 Sunday nights at 10 p.m. JMO, I've got that right. That is correct, sir. Absolutely. If you have not gotten enough of me here on this program that ran for nearly two hours this week, you can catch another close to an hour of me on the radio airwaves every single week. And, of course, if you want to hear more from the kid Josh C., you can head on over and support Your Bad Childhood, where uh, the boy Josh Custodio, as well as uh, the absolute prince, Matty Pie, Mr. Matt Prince, uh, uh, talk about nostalgia items from your childhood. This week you guys uh, talked about... Ooh, I, Homestar yeah, Runner. Homestar Runner. I remember being very tantalized by seeing the title pop up. I haven't had a chance to listen Dude. to it yet, though, because it just yeah, came, it only out, came this out this morning. Like a, yeah. Do, do, well, I, I'm dying to know without. <laughs> maybe this is terrible. Maybe I'll just ask you off air. Never mind. If I like Homestar Runner? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it, bud. I, I thought do it you would, think it holds oh, up? I. I think it would. Yeah, I think a lot of those bits are like formative comedy moments for me in my late teen years. And I do think stuff like Teen Girl Squad is probably still funny. You should go watch them today. Yeah. Is yeah. It, are you not spoiling, but it, it, it does kind of it's still good. Strong. Well, I don't. Do you care if I spoil it for you? No one here. Can. If you do, if you care about your bad childhood spoilers for some reason, stop listening. Oh, now. emails. Uh, <laughs> very nice let me tell you maddie's got a great strong bad too uh no i thought a lot of it held up really really well it's funny that you called out teen girl squad that and cheat commandos had me like howling oh, yeah. i i am not surprised at all that those things are still funny cheat commandos rock rock on anyway like subscribe do all that stuff and we'll talk to you next week until then Pepperoni sticks oh, oh wait what is we almost forgot what, what, what? <laughs> Stay hot, stay spicy, and stay tasty great. Because you're curry man. We can't we can't risk the next part without no. without visual. There's no way yeah, we'll nail it. Be a disaster. But pepperoni sticks. Say yeah. yeah. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>